0: Network. An ancient Tibetan ritual dagger in your pocket. Oh, well, maybe I'm just happy to see you. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, hello. of Will of Matt's Excellent Podcast here to present the second episode of The Game Slice. This episode is a bit different from the first one as I was joined by a special guest to discuss the Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad game reveals before diving into the Uncharted series. Due to the lengthy nature of the episode, there is no game news discussion with Matt nor discussion of what we've been playing, but I think the in-depth discussion of the Uncharted series more than makes up for it. I want to thank my friend Jared for taking time out of his schedule to do the second episode with me. If you like this episode, support it, share it, spread it on toast, whatever. If you want to see more of what Matt and I do, subscribe to our channel, Will & Matt's Excellent Podcast, on YouTube, and follow the Facebook page for updates and other information. For now, let's talk superhero game news before venturing into Uncharted territory with a discussion of the Uncharted games. Enjoy. you're a pretty big fan of the Arkham games. And, you know, for the longest while after Arkham Knight came out, we didn't know what Rockstea was going to do next. Uh, there, you know, there was a lot of rumors that they were going to do a Superman game, because I, I remember in Arkham Knight, there's a lot of references to Superman. So, I, so a lot of people, including myself, figured that was the next thing. But no, it's actually a Suicide Squad game, although it does involve Superman and some of the other members of the Justice League. So... When they first announced Suicide Squad killed Justice League, what were your uh, immediate reactions? Um,
1: well, I mean, I was happy to see Rocksteady's name on, on something going forward, right? I mean, it's been now five years since, since Arkham Knight, and it uh, seems like game development times are taking a lot longer than they used to. Uh, so it was, not, it was nice to see their name on, on a new game. Um, I must admit I was I was like he was a little little surprised um, to be totally honest I was kind of hoping slash expecting they might do something completely separate from DC and just try out a new IP um yeah. so again getting a game where we're not playing as a hero or as Superman or another Justice League member but we're actively it looks like trying to take them down it's a very surprising. Uh, if even if they're not switching from DC, it's a very surprising twist in at least tone and uh story approach than than they've done. So I'm interested to see how it'll play out, especially with it being uh, you know, co-op but an open world. Uh I'm I know for me I'm a little concerned it might turn into what I've seen with the Avengers game. Um I've not seen a lot of gameplay that's that's uh, from that beta that released just a couple weekends ago, that's inspired confidence in me to make that like a day one purchase. So I'm hoping Rocksteady doesn't fall into that same pit. It, it's they've yet to disappoint me, so I'm definitely willing to give them uh, the benefit of the doubt and see how this all plays
0: out. I mean, they still have what two years, I think, before that game releases. I believe so. I think it comes out in either 2021 or 2022. I I'd have to double check. I know, I
1: know the Gotham Knights is 2021, but I think Goth, I think Suicide Squad is, they, they, they put as 2022.
0: Yeah, because so far with the Suicide Squad game, all they've shown off was, uh, is a trailer. No, no, no official gameplay yet. So we, we have no idea what the gameplay will be like, aside from the fact it will be open rolled and co-op. And so far, the Suicide Squad members they've shown off are Harley Quinn, Deadshot, and King Shark, right?
1: Uh, and Captain Boomerang those are those are your your four that they've said you're playing as throughout the whole time and then of course if you're playing with friends they'll be playing as alongside you. I don't know if they intend to add anyone else. They didn't seem to indicate it in the interviews or other press release that I've I've seen over the game so far. I
0: imagine other members will make appearances as like non-playable characters that you like team up with.
1: Yeah, that that would be that would be a potential there too.
0: Now, regarding Gotham Knights, which is being developed by Warner Bros. Montreal, the studio behind Arkham Origins, uh, what were your, what were your first reactions to that? Um,
1: very conflicted, I mean, it, it, for me, looked like it was, I mean, I guess it is still a Batman game without Batman, you know, it's a, it's a very, uh, surprising take on, on, on you know, a game of that nature, too, um. I am a big fan of the Court of Owls storyline that they seem to be hinting at. I, again, wish maybe Batman was involved with it, but there's also a lot of theory floating around that, you know, especially due to the nature of the Court of Owls storyline in the comics, that Batman actually is still alive, and, uh, you know, he's been hidden by the the court,
0: which is what happened in the comics. Um, Yeah, I'm a little... I'm a little unfamiliar with the Court of Owls. So, pro- provide a general summarization as to what that storyline involves.
1: All right. So, the Court of Owls, uh, somewhat similar to the League of Assassins, but but more focused in specifically just Gotham. They're like this secret cult society uh that has kind of run the city from the shadows or whatever for uh for uh, I forget exactly how much time, but it's like kind of like implied like centuries or whatever. Uh, and you know, whenever they want to get something done, uh, that takes, you know, if they're not capable of doing it themselves through like political or economic means, uh, they'll do it through the use of one of their Talon assassins, uh, which, you know, are, are very much like the League of Assassins in terms of, you know, they're they're capable of striking from the shadows and being, uh, even capable of taking on Batman himself, as we saw multiple times in the storyline, and there was big implications within the the comic storyline that they were actually responsible for the Wayne murders so it's a very it's a very Batman Bruce Wayne kind of centered antagonistic group at least within the the concept of the comics because they they have that very personal uh, affiliation with Bruce
0: okay. Now, going back to the game itself, it, it's not tied to the Arkham games. It's its own thing, right?
1: Right. There was, there was some confusion on that. I figured out pretty much as soon as the trailer was done that this, if it was in line with Arkham games, had already botched it up. Um, just due to the nature of it being, having Red Hood and Batgirl in the same... Timeline, because Batgirl and Arkham. By the time we see her in uh, even the first game, Asylum, she she's been paralyzed by Joker and become Oracle. As well as the fact that we'll soon say, like in some storylines, Bat Batgirl comes, you know, regains her ability to walk and crime fight again. Well, Mister Freeze is also back, which his he had his whole arc kind of done and you know bow tied at the end of uh, one of the Arkham Knight DLCs. So, and that and just the general tone of the game felt a little bit different to me, minus the fact that, you know, it opens up with, hey, Batman either is dead or has faked his death, presumably like the the End of Night showed. So, But but again, those, those other details pretty quickly confirmed for me that this wasn't Arkham, and then the gameplay that I saw definitely confirmed that this was not a proper Arkham game.
0: I did not watch the trailer myself but i i do know that like the the gameplay it it, does it borrow some elements from the arkham series and i know there's there's like some art light light rpg elements possibly because like enemies are scaled at different levels yeah
1: yeah that's again that was the big like the the first like the gameplay trailer shows bat girl like driving through the city on a motorcycle and then grappling up to building everything and i was like okay this looks pretty similar to Arkham. Again, like the traversal and environment felt very Arkham. And then the second she got into combat, I was like, this isn't, this is definitely a different type of brawler than Arkham was. You know, Arkham, you, you start your combo off, you might focus on the same guy for the first couple of punches, but then after that, you're moving around to the battlefield, right? You're you know, you're either constantly countering an enemy, or you're moving to the next one. And, you know, that's, it gives the impression and flow of taking on multiple enemies all at once, even if you're technically only doing it one at a time, Well, this... Batgirl, I saw focused on the same enemy with a health bar and like numbers, you know, like floating across the, you know the screen every time that she she hit him, uh, and and it doesn't necessarily look bad, but I it's very different, at least for me, coming from a, a pretty avid fan of the Arkham games, uh, from that gameplay for for sure.
0: I, I get you, and knowing that they're incorporating more RPG elements with this one, it's like you want to make sure that when the game incorporates a leveling system, because here and that, it, it reminds me of Borderlands, because uh, that also does a similar thing, but also it goes a bit more in-depth, because, like, certain enemies are more vulnerable to certain wep- weapon types than others. And it's like, there's a right way to implement uh, light RPG elements, and there's a wrong way. Uh, the wrong way is, it was a game called Wolfenstein Youngblood, where that one, it was, you played as uh, BJ Blazkowicz's sisters, I mean I mean daughters excuse me and they're not as combat savvy as BJ so therefore there's the uh, they implement uh, a level up RPG system and as such uh Nazis are at different levels and they're more vulnerable to certain weapons however that wasn't quite implemented as well because it was ma- it was made as clear that oh you're you're supposed to use this particular gun against this enemy it, the system wasn't well explained and that's my... That's my main concern here about what they're doing with Gotham Knights is, is will it actually, will the level scaling make sense and actually be implemented well? So,
1: right. I mean, it's it's like I said with the Suicide Squad game. I don't I don't want them to fall into the same uh, line that the current Avengers game has going on. At least from what I've seen, because in that beta, all I've seen is. Uh, for one a lot of ads you know like like you get special stuff for having like a Verizon wireless account Fortnite account and and yeah and and then like the gameplay loop seems very repetitive in terms of you go here you beat stuff up move on to the next area where you beat stuff up maybe do a boss fight um and and like it kind of somewhere to destiny in terms of You know, you have this, like, kind of open world map, but kind of also linear, and you take out enemies along the way, as you see fit, and then Destiny also incorporates a very big, uh, like, loot kind of grind system, uh, and that's very much what I'm seeing in Avengers, even to the degree where you're, like, upgrading, like, Hulk's rib cage or stuff to that nature. You know, for for people who enjoy the Avengers and are fine with, like, loot-based games, this might be right up their alley for me. Uh, I mean, I played the first Destiny quite a bit and got burnt out on it, and I never even picked up the second one. For those, for all those reasons, even though the core of Destiny's combat is, I'd say, pretty exceptional and pretty really really solid gunplay, um, I mean, the gameplay alone can't doesn't sustain that game for me uh, in long terms. And um, as and I, I from what I've seen, I don't think that the Avengers gameplay is even quite as solid as Destiny's was, and it, but it's still following the same structure, so it has me. If I will purchase it, not as a day one, I'm I'm gonna hold up and see how this uh, their game as a service model or whatever works in the long term before I make a purchase.
0: Yeah, but ultimately that that's what what's going on with Avengers. You know, with, with the with the with the with the Gotham Knights and the Suicide Squad games, they they've just been announced, and you know over over time more details will be unveiled about what the gameplay will be like, what the story will be like. So on, so forth.
1: I'm definitely willing to give them a, you know, the benefit of the doubt, right? Because I mean, and I, I say that as I bring in Avengers as the comparison of what I don't want to see in these games, not necessarily what I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteeing is like, oh, this is what it reminded me of and what I, I think it'll be. There's no, I mean, Gotham Knights showed us only seven minutes of pre-alpha footage Suicide Squad gave us absolutely zero gameplay footage. I have very little to actually base my judgments on either of these games on until further notice. So I I know one thing I don't want to see it as is, is, you know, if I start seeing it line in more with that Avengers gameplay over time, then I know, okay, not a day one purchase for me. If they continue as they're, you know, now that they have announced and they're going to start doing more press releases, they start to differentiate themselves and, and... kind of do their own thing well then they'll they will at the very least keep my attention
0: okay okay and uh as we said before Gotham Knights is slated to come out in 2021 and Suicide Squad 2022 so we got plenty of time in the kingdom of Shambhala lies the most precious thing to be found in all the world
1: what's your angle on all this misery (coughs) you gonna plunder a few temples loot the museum
0: it's nice to see you too (coughs) so this little man is drink and welcome back to the game slice for this part of the show I am joined by my my friend Jared to discuss the uncharted series now Jared What's your history with Uncharted? How'd you first learn the series? Um, That's a good question. Um, Whenever
1: I first learned about it, I had kind of, I'd seen one of my cousins play it, like whenever I was like young, like I think freshman in high school, or if not a freshman, like an eighth grader, like it was somewhere around that time. Um, And I didn't realize what it was. I didn't even remember what the name of it was. I just remember him playing Uncharted 2. And I remember him playing the the train section. That's kind of like the iconic section for a lot of people. I just happened to come in at the time when he got to that part. So it was a very strong initial impression for me to see this third person uh shooter with, you know, him on a moving train and going through different environments and getting into fist fights and and, you know, taking on a helicopter as as that whole situation went on. Um, but I started to actually, um, you know, kind of register like what the game was and, 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 you know, realize it was, it was not just some like indie title or, uh, you know, kind of one-off, one-off thing that, you know, it was, you know, it was something that was becoming really popular whenever my, my friend, uh, in high school also was telling us about it. And, you know, he even got, he got to the point where he talked about the train. And I was like, wait, I, I, I've seen my cousin play that. That's, that, that was a pretty cool you know, thing, he's like, yeah, it's Uncharted, uh, you should check it out sometime, I was like, oh, okay, uh, and, um, I went on YouTube, uh, later, it was either that night or sometime that week, and, uh, I found somebody, and I wish, I wish for the life of me I could remember who the, uh, who the YouTuber was, or, or I dropped the name, but he had edited his gameplay for the first three games into effectively, like, two three hour movies like he you know he'd gotten all the cinematics together and he'd tried to piece together as much of his gameplay uh that you know like fit more for the story and like was also you know look looked fairly cinematic in its own right together and and tell the story of the games um and uh from then on because uh, at that point I didn't have a a, a playstation I but I knew I needed one <laughs> Uh, From that point on, I mean, I just, I I loved the characters, I loved the the story, and uh, I loved the fact that, you know, you had this game effectively, uh, not just living out like the, you know, the quote, Indiana Jones, like, action-adventure experience, but really willing to to take that genre and do its own thing with it uh, in ways that both cinematically and just general writing-wise lived up to what I remember... uh, my younger self enjoying so much whenever I watched Indiana Jones.
0: Uh, I think I learned about Uncharted the same way as you. I remember reading, reading a lot about it in various gaming magazines and seeing the occasional clip on TV. And I thought, Oh, that looks cool. Cause you know, I grew up on the Indiana Jones movies and this was basically Indiana Jones and video game four, video game form, except it wasn't Indiana Jones. It was, it was this guy, Nathan Drake, uh, and I did, it took me a long while because, you know, there, there were a bunch of games growing up that I missed out on just for one reason or the other. And eventually I got a PS4 for Christmas and I believe it came with, with a code for, to download the Nathan Drake collection. I don't know if I used it or not. I might have, cause I have vague memories of playing the first one on PS4 but then, eventually, a little, a little later down the line, during a Black Friday sale at Best Buy, I found the Nathan Drake collection, Uncharted, Uncharted 4, and Lost Legacy for like 10, ten bucks each, and I was like, "All right, now's your time to experience Uncharted." So I snatched them, snatched them up, and over the course of this year, I've been making my way through the uh, the four main games. I I wasn't able to uh, start playing Lost Legacy, but I know you've played it and the, the Vita spinoff. Right? right
1: yeah. The, the only Uncharted game I have at this point not played because there were actually two Vita spinoffs. There was Golden Abyss, which was definitely more in, in line with the the main you know series in terms of like style of gameplay and storytelling and cinematic you know uh, adventures. Um, then there was also though there was that that card game uh, like Fight for Fortune I think it was called and I I just didn't care enough at that point I mean Uncharted is for me the adventure and the story and the characters I I, I don't I don't need to necessarily buy a card game um, to to you know to to enjoy the series and and it, you know it's it's not like it's a canon part of anything so I I I wind up passing on it. Um, I mean, I've I've heard from other people it's it's fun if you enjoy that that type of card gameplay style. i have just not personally played it myself, so I can't tell one way or the other.
0: But yeah, uh, go go back to my time with the games. It's like when I, when I started playing the first one uh, earlier this year, I was I was hooked from the get go, and the whole time making my way through a series, I was just like, man, I wish I experienced these uh, at an earlier age because as far as I'm concerned. For for me at least, and you'd probably agree, but uh, Uncharted is definitely one of the best gaming fr- franchises to come out in the past ten. Years oh yeah, I mean it. It's so. I mean, and this
1: is also a little bit of a bias, well, but I mean, I would say Uncharted Four is the best game of our current uh like generation. I mean, and I'm sure there are people who can put up strong arguments for other games being you know best game or whatever. Um, I mean, and this is, of course, just me being subjective. I mean, I enjoy more linear, uh, story-driven games, um, and especially games with strong character writing and, and I can, I can both either sit down and watch and really enjoy or sit down and play and really, really enjoy. And that's, that's where, um, Uncharted just really excels for me is, is it, is it's both watchable and very playable,
0: (laughs) Yeah, that that's the other thing as well with the Uncharted series. It strikes that nice balance of 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 cutscenes and gameplay. It gives you the right amount of t- time devoted to to, to the cutscenes to you know flesh out the characters and what's currently going on in the story, and then the right amount of gameplay to you know keep keep you engaged with with the shooting and the melee and and the occasional stealth. Uh, I would say that the four games have have very shall we say, they have recurring uh, themes and elements. You know, there's uh, the discovery of something, which clues us in that there's this lost city or lost treasure out there that's begging to be found. Uh, During during the course of the adventure, there's this rival team that shows up, and one of the members may have a connection with Nathan Drake. And then, towards the third act, you introduce a curveball in the form of a supernatural element, which Uncharted four actually breaks that tradition, which we'll get to. So does and Golden at, Best at the actually, end, FYI. Okay, and then uh, and then at the end, the bad guys are defeated, and you know Nathan Drake scoops uh, Elena up into his arms, and they ride off to the sunset.
1: Well, and that's that. You're right that there's definitely recurring elements at the stories. However, uh, his and this is why I think Uncharted works so well works so well as a series. Um, especially even compared to like say Indiana Jones, um, because Indiana Jones, if you look at the the four Indiana Jones movies, um, besides maybe the exception of the the fourth one having a lot of strong relation to the first one, right? Because you know the you know uh, Return of Marion uh, Ravenwood and you know he figures out oh well I had a kid with this with this woman from my past. Um, for the most part though, they're all very self-contained stories where Indiana's development in those particular stories only affects that story right you know he he has the the romance with Marion and one he has his kind of uh, acceptance or uh, development of like okay yeah like there are supernatural um, elements or whatever in this world which is strange because if you go beyond the the, the movies because two technically takes place before all the other uh the movies in that franchise because it was set in like 1935 and the errors were, were post that. But if you go beyond that to like the comics or books or whatever, he should have already seen a lot of supernatural elements, but that's a neither here nor there. That, that's a whole separate discussion. And then three is, you know, his relationship with his dad. Um, Those, those three don't really connect while Uncharted does, A very good job at the first one, you know. It establishes his relationships with his characters. Two develops his kind of hero persona. You know, it's it's you know he risks life and limb to save Chloe again during that iconic train sequence, only to have it kind of blow up right in his face. So we start seeing you know his. His uh, ideal or his, his pursuit of greatness start to kind of get the better of him. But even in two, he's like willing to, and especially in one, you know, in both games, he's kind of willing to back off the treasure whenever he realizes it's too much. Until something kind of sucks him back in. But three is where that changes a lot. Where that 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 kind of obsession, that that the the need to prove something or whatever, gets the better of him, and where there were multiple times in three where he probably would have gone like in the previous games at nah, I, you know, this is, this is not worth it. He, he risks not only his own life and limb, but he winds up getting his other people involved, uh, at risk quite a bit. And then four just capitalizes that, that whole story. So, and, so I guess, and, and that's his, that's just his development. All the other characters have their own forms of development and their own little arcs. And, um, uh, the the relationships that nathan has with those also develop and and undergo their arcs and that's for me the one of the biggest strengths of uncharted not just as individual games but as a series is most action adventure stuff typically goes again the indiana jones standalone story route and while uncharted does have you know standalone stories like you described earlier kind of follow a lot of similar beats as a series, though it 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 goes beyond that, and and it's why I think it's kind of remained so um, well rated and pertinent within our you know gaming discussions. I mean, here we are, what four years later, and we're still talking about Uncharted. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's also what one of those one of those series where I think it shines from a technical perspective as well, because when the original Uncharted games came out for the PS3, they they were like. They they sold the PS3 as the killer app because prior to that a lot of people doubt the PS3 because you know there was a whole 599 US dollars for it and then the first game comes out it's a hit but then the second game game comes out really not only elevates the success of Sony but also the PS3 in general and then you have, and then it continues with three and then you have four which which comes in and not only closes the series but it also shows us like this is what the PS4 is capable. Of. Oh yeah.
1: Well, and and that speaks less I think necessarily to just Uncharted but more to Naughty Dog because of course Naughty Dog's not only done Uncharted but they've done The Last of Us which um whether you you love or hate too if you if you have seen any footage of Last of Us 2 oh my gosh the technical um prowess that that game displays on hardware that is like eight years old now <laughs> is is insane uh i mean just the facial animations alone and the the blood and the 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 environments and just every the way things interact with each other in last of us 2. um i mean it's for me i'm i was very happy that a series like uncharted uh, um was handled by by a team with such technical prowess as as naughty dog um because it not only made the games, you know, fun to play, but made them more memorable in terms of story and environments. And, and that's the type of thing that you want in in an action adventures. You want to be able to remember, you know, that train sequence, that the the plane in Uncharted 3 where he, you know, winds up going into the free fall after getting, you know, knocked out of a moving plane, like that, that type of stuff, uh, you know, becomes that much more iconic whenever it, it, Handles as well as it did on on the especially given the hardware that it was running on.
0: Mm-hmm. And not only that, you know, going back to the storytelling part of of the Uncharted series, and I, th- I think it also what what Uncharted did was also it brought to the forefront uh, the the concept of the the people the voices behind the characters because you know voice actors have been around for a long while, but I think with uh, with the Xbox 360, PS3 generation of consoles, because you know a lot more games started doing motion capture and whatnot, it, it allowed the the voice actors to really come to the forefront. In the case of the Uncharted series, it made Noah North a household name because Noah North ha- had been around f- for a while. Because you know before before he was a voice actor, he was a uh, he was he was a television actor. He uh, he did some television work for a spinoff of General Hospital called Port Charles, which I believe I sent you a clip. Clip of,
1: um, I'm not sure if I saw it or not, I, if I had it. It's been a, it's been a hot minute. I'm my mind's still in quarantine mode at times.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he he, he was do, he was doing television for a little while, and they decided to go into voice acting. Uh, he he did a bunch of my, minor stuff, you know, voice minor roles here and there. Uh, one one of the early roles I can think of was uh, Call of, Call of Duty Two because I, I was playing that recently. And I was like, wait a minute. I know that voice. That's Noah North. Although funnily enough he's 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 credited as no land north. N O L A N D. That That is that's that is a fun fact. Yep. And then but then you get to Uncharted, and then it's like, Wow, this this guy, he's really good. What's his name? Oh, Noah North. He he's really good. And then from like the late two thousands to the early twenty tens you saw an explosion of titles which Featured Nolan North, uh, voice in the main character or in a supporting role, and granted, some people thought it was it was a bit fatigue. It was like, oh man, Nolan North is is everywhere. At this point, he should just voice my era monologue. But I think that also, I think that also just speaks volumes with how far gaming had come. And is like the fact that we're more actively recognizing the people behind the voices, and considering the fact that we're doing motion capture as well. It's like, yeah, voice acting. These yeah, this guy's, these guys pretty good. He's, I mean, because I've actually
1: met Nolan North at a at a comic con.
0: Yeah, I was I was going to ask you about that. Uh, I, you can you can go into details. You can talk about it now or or later. Your choice.
1: Uh, sure. Uh, why not? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I met him at a comic con, and um, uh, and I think the thing that I noticed the most about him. And I think it's why he's done so well in the franchise and this is just you know personal evidence this isn't you know a, a uh, you know statistically studied take very well studied but but he has a very infectious energy whenever you see him in Uncharted as Nathan Drake you know kind of having fun and you know getting along with uh, you know like sully and, and Elena and, and Chloe and whatnot and joking around with them and and you know very much showing a, a a distinct personality that personality is a lot of what i saw in nolan north just even those few minutes at at the comic-con um and uh, i mean i got my i i, I had paid for a um oh, what was it i'd originally i think paid for just an autograph or a selfie or something like that and then i decided to pay for both and then I was having issues deciding cuz he had like a series of um like posters that he would sign uh and and then I was having issues between one of the uncharted 4 ones and one of the uncharted 3 and he was like oh wow do you I mean you want both i don't care go for it you know and he signed both for me and i have them now framed uh and then of course whenever he uh he took the the selfie with me you know, he didn't, you know, I mean, a lot of these celebrities that go out and, you know, they, they do the smile, and, you know, you know, they'll talk with you a little bit, but, like, he just went out of his way to, you know, like, goof off during the selfie and have a lot of fun in that moment. And, um, whenever, and whenever he, um uh, because I'd also shown a little bit of interest in the, uh, one of his, like, Penguin posters or whatever, uh, because he, of course, played Penguin in the Arkham games, he, um, uh, he was like, he, get, he started doing the Penguin voice for me, just right there in the middle, because uh, Kevin Conroy was, like, a few booths over, and he was like, oh, you should go see him, too, while you're at it, and, and of course I'm butchering it, but he went into you know, exactly like I heard in the games, and it just, it's, it's one of those deals that I think I guess what I'm getting at is the reason he does so well in the industry is because he brings that energy with him to every role, and to every, every situation he seems to be in, especially, if, like, you know, I've seen him on his uh, Retro Replay YouTube channel, and he, that's... I think sometimes we get into the, the concept that, okay, actors are actors, and then who we see on screen is, um, you know, just a facade, and then whoever they are off screen is someone completely different. I genuinely believe, both in my personal interaction and just seeing him kind of across the board over the years, like you said, that, like, who he is or who we as the public see him as is pretty much who he is and that's why he you know he does so well because I guess he's not having to act. He's just being himself and then and it you know it lends himself to great roles like Nathan Drake or uh Desmond Miles and, you know Penguin and Charter heat so it, it well, works yeah, out it's a like bit.
0: Yeah, because because I I remember like I don't know if you, I don't know if you play, it, but uh, in Saints Row Four, you you get to choose multiple voice options for your character, and one of them and one of them is simply titled Noah North.
1: <laughs> no, I had I hadn't
0: played that one. That's that's awesome though. Yeah, it's very it's very much the devs realize, yeah, Noah North is in everything while while we poke fun at the fact and I believe that there's even if you if you choose the voice option, because 'cause it's been a long while since I last played the game, but if you choose that voice option, there's like a few se- self re- referential jabs at the fact that, Oh, it's Noah North. I'm a voice actor playing the president
1: <laughs> That from what I hear of the Saint Ro- Saints Row games, that doesn't surprise me.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, th- that's the uh, general talk of this series. So let's let's dive deep into the game, starting with Uncharted Drake's Fortune, which was originally released in 2007 for the PS3 and re released for the PS4. Jared, provide a quick synopsis of the story to Uncharted Drake's Fortune.
1: Um. So Drake's Fortune is, of course, like the first one in the series that was released, and it's just basically uh. It's definitely the most standalone-ish of the series where we establish, you know, this Nathan Drake is this kind of everyman uh, fortune hunter uh, who supposedly has inherited this this ring from Sir Francis Drake the Pirate that um, I'm actually wearing a 3D model of right now. <laughs> and, you know, it supposedly contained the coordinates to uh, El Dorado, which is, of course, the the ancient like South American uh, city of gold. Uh, and, you know, it's him and his, his old man mentor slash buddy in arms, Sully, looking for this while he also, uh, gets romantically entangled with Elena Fisher, who he initially cons, uh, into helping him with this, with this treasure. And then, of course, eventually comes to actually care for, which I'm very surprised they still stay together just based on, uh, you know, that, that initial encounter, uh, if if he didn't look good or have maybe you know the voice of Nolan North going for him, I I don't know uh, how that relationship maintained itself after that first after that first lie. But you yeah, know,
0: that's that's the that's, thing with that's uh, part of his charm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing with series is like he gets into all these perilous situations, and no matter what, his hair always looks so good. What what hair gel is he using? <laughs> that plot armor, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, the hair the hair has more plot armor than I think Nathan Drake himself, uh, especially based on the opening of two.
0: <laughs> but but yeah, that that is a good way to describe Drake's fortune. It is very it is very standalone in nature. It's a it's a self contained adventure. You know, they're looking for this at at first what we assume to be a lost city of gold, but then it turns out to be uh something else entirely. It's a golden statue. Yeah, it's a golden statue, and more uh... and more
1: than just a golden statue. As as you, I mean, are we are we wanting to discuss spoilers in this or no? Uh,
0: we'll we'll get to the spoilers in in, in a couple of minutes, but but yeah, that's that's very much how I see the first Uncharted. It's it's a standalone adventure, and while it's not the most complex or in depth one, uh, especially compared to the sequels, it, it's still an enjoyable romp simply for the uh, the writing and characters. I will say the first Uncharted has has the weakest villains because. The, the main the main bad guy is is Roman and I I can't tell you a single thing about Roman because other than he's evil and whereas whereas with with Raha a Raha he you know he's he's a Weasley character that has you know a uh, past history with Nathan and, and weirdly think about it in perspective you know he's a Weasley character and he reminded me a lot of uh, Benny from the 1999 Mummy movie because uh, uh, Eddie and Nathan sort of have that similar dynamic th- uh, that uh, Benny and burn Frazier's character had in that movie.
1: Right, yeah, like kind of kind of like less of an actual antagonistic, but definitely still antagonistic, but more also like at least you knew that at one point these guys might have been friends or can at least th- be able to rib each other in ways that almost seem friendly or or not not necessarily inherently evil towards one another.
0: Right. Right. Uh let's see. Well, while I'm thinking about the uh the big twist with El Dorado uh, cuz as we mentioned before it's it's a statue. But right. What's the catch?
1: Of course uh well of course you know the catch being that um if you open the statue you find this, this mummified cursed like entity that um uh, you know, is still dead, but capable of more or less
0: turning you into, a, a I guess, a zombie or, like, a yeah, rabid a weird, dog. <laughs> yeah, a weird, a weird mutant monster, and you spend a good chunk of the third act of the game blowing down waves of these mutant monsters, which can take you down in a couple of hits if you're not careful.
1: Right, and it's funny, I remember... I remember somebody saying, I don't remember who. It might have just been some internet comment, and I, I, I definitely felt the same way, because uh, because Uncharted One, you know, it doesn't have a lot of the the nuance of the later entries of the series yet. You know, it's it's the first PS3 title, and you know, they're at that point trying to just get like, because especially coming from Jack and Daxter, they're just trying to go. How do we move on to something a little bit more realistic and establish good shooting and environments and characters? And, you know, it's kind of, and of course they, they achieve all their goals, but um, the, the game is, uh, those first two acts, they're fun and they're good, but they start to drag a little bit. Close to the end of the second act, right around, right about whenever the uh, you go inside the treasure vaults that, um you know where where the the cursed statue is supposed to be, and I, I remember both playing or watching the uh, watching it the first time and playing it myself. I was like, yeah, this is this is good, but like, is it wrapping up soon? And then as soon as that happened, the game just went into a whole better like new gear for me that, like, I was like, okay, I can definitely do a, a few more hours of this now, like, this, this, you know, this it's like they, 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 they pace themselves out very accurately to where just whenever you're about to baby start, like, throwing in the towel and go, like, okay, like, maybe they could have condensed this down, then you're like, oh, give me a whole, you know, whole new hour, few hours of this because I'm back in. Uh, and it's funny, you replay the game on subsequent you know, playthroughs and you notice as soon as like chapter like two, they're very heavily hinting at the plot twist the whole time. You know, the plot twist was like right under you the whole time. And I think most people realized there was something up as the story progressed, but they just didn't realize to what extent or necessarily how many references were lying underneath the the whole time. Indicating that, like, oh, there's there's a cursed, you know, item on this on this island.
0: Well, as soon as
1: is in chapter two, whenever um, Nate and Sully, because remember they 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 think that they know the the El Dorado uh, statue is somewhere in South America, and they go through like a temple to find it, and then they find out oh the 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 Spaniards uh, took it. Uh, to, you know, the, quote, Uncharted Island, where the series gets its name from. Well, in the temple, there's a, uh, you know, you see where the statue was supposed to be before the, the, the Spaniards took it, and there's, like, a bunch of, like, murals or whatever on the wall, and um, they, Sully makes the comment, he's looking at the murals, and he's like, um, it looks like uh, those people are worshipping the thing. At least I think they're people, and I realized after you know again the second time around, I was like, "Oh my gosh, those are the the creatures or the, the the transformed individuals uh, of the El Dorado Curse." And then, as soon as you land on the island itself, you can find in chapter four multiple of these like really like creepy looking. Uh, you get to look for them they're they're they're, they're well hidden because they're like in the they're not in the environments themselves they're in like the backgrounds behind the trees where like you know like the the boundaries of the map are but you'll find these like really creepy like statues like hanging around and stuff that were definitely not built by you know any civilized society and there's, there's just a bunch of little things like that and of course as it goes on the, the game gets a little bit more direct about it like whenever um Elena finds the dude that was like skewered with like their playing parts or whatever. And he's like, yeah, well definitely none of Eddie's Eddie's men or Roman's men did that. And, uh, you know, this matches a lot of the traps that we've seen in the islands. So what gives?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually something I never, I never really picked up on all my, uh, first playthrough game because i i played through drake's fortune again at, at back at the beginning of this year so like january so but so it's been a while but yeah i, I definitely like that Th- think about that in hindsight it's whenever i decide to uh revisit drake's fortune because f- funny enough a little while back i found uh P- ps3 copies of uh drake's fortune and uh among thieves so w- when i uh replay those those two on the on the ps3 i don't you know keep my eye out for that but that's that's a that's a great little detail that i never c- caught on on
1: right yeah no i mean and there's there's some statues i didn't find until like many playthroughs later i mean some of these are pretty well hidden um and a couple of them are more obvious that like the game will actually like actively like try and like get you to look up at it or something like that um but but yeah there 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 are some I didn't find even on my second playthrough. It took many subsequent playthroughs to find i mean, for all I know, there could be more like little clues and and uh, hidden mysteries or whatever I guess that i like I've not even found probably doubtful i've I've pretty much skewered that game uh or scoured that game quite a bit, but it's it's very uh it's very possible,
0: yeah uh. Now, moving on to the gameplay, the best way to describe the Uncharted games is that they're action-adventure games that mix together third-person shoot- shooting, platforming, climbing, uh, puzzle-solving, and stealth. Not so much, really, in the first game, because the, the first game is more focused on those than stealth. You can try stealth, but it doesn't really work, because they'll just spot you in five seconds. It's like, pew, pew. pew. But... I, I think I think it all I think it all works. I I I will admit uh compared to the other games I find the shooting to be uh incre- incredibly basic. It, it, it gets the job done, but it's nothing spectacular. I I find the I find the melee combat a bit more I- exciting and fun uh than than the shooting, but not by a whole lot. I think what really what really makes the gameplay fun is platforming and climbing because there are a lot of sections where Nathan Drake jumps across perilous platforms and climbs many a ledge to reach a destination, and I really find those parts the the most engaging simply because of, for one, how how dynamic the camera angles get. Because sometimes the camera just zooms out to show how much of a small speck Nathan Drake is on like the, this big rock wall that that he's climbing. You know.
1: Yeah the the first time you uh, go up, uh, you you I think it's chapter five, the fortress. And, and, and like, the camera zooms out, and, like, you realize... Because, like, I think it zooms out before you start climbing it. But then... Which I think was very smart, because it makes you kind of sit back and go, like, oh, wow, like, if I were in his shoes, I would immediately
0: be going, nope, turn around, figure another way. <laughs> yeah, I, and I'll, I'll say this about Nathan Drake. He's got incredibly strong grip, because... All, all these ledges he's able to hang on to and jump off from it's like man what 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 steroids is he taking to pull off all these perilous jumps and grabs
1: they, they make a funny reference to that in um i believe it was golden abyss yeah it was golden abyss where um the love interest in that one because again he's not met elena with golden abyss being a prequel but uh she makes the comment like uh what well, were you raised in the circus or something <laughs>
0: yeah yeah, uh, and then the, also uh, much like much like the shooting, the puzzle solving is pretty basic. It, it's nothing too complicated. I mean, the sequels they really they really improved on the puzzle solving big time. But with the first game, the the puzzle solving is by by all accounts simplistic. It it, it it's functional. It's fine, but you want something a little bit more. You know what I'm saying?
1: Right. Well, it's it's funny you say that because well I I personally agree. Quite a bit with that. I've I've talked with people who said they could like like this isn't just one person mind you this is like at least two or three that got like really stuck on or confused on the, the one of the very first puzzles in the game like again that that temple that him and Sully think the Eldorado statue is supposed to be in, and it's it's weird for me that um, now granted I had already kind of seen the gameplay in the story. Before I played it, so maybe you know, maybe I would have struggled just as as much as them. But I know for me, I found it to be fairly simple. But then for other people, it really, you know, it really seemed to mess with them some of the puzzles. While, and I don't know if they played some of the other the, the later entries, right? And maybe they found those easier. I I definitely remember there was one puzzle in three that had me stuck for like an hour for some reason, Uh just because like the like I knew what I was supposed to do, but I couldn't figure out like how to get it done <laughs> like i didn't know right where all the pieces were supposed to go and i didn't know how i was supposed to tell where they were supposed to go um and then i found out of course i found out later and i felt like a big dum-dum uh <laughs> so you know maybe that's i mean maybe it was just a similar situation for for them on that first game but yeah i i definitely know at least the puzzles post the first few chapters i definitely didn't think were even as challenging as like some of those those initial puzzles,
0: right? I, I think I had more of, more of a challenge with the platform because at times I, I was a little confused as to where I was supposed to, where. Excuse me, where I was supposed to go to next, and only to realize, oh, I'm supposed to jump to this ledge and then continue on from there.
1: Yeah, the environments are a lot more um, less like color coded in the in in the first one. There there were definitely multiple times where I. I on my first playthrough, I was like, "Can I go here?" And then I jump, and I either, I either succeed, or in most cases, which was happened a lot more often, I died.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, thoughts on the quote unquote final boss, Eddie Raha? Uh,
1: it wasn't Raha. That was the final boss. That was uh, Navarro. Raha dies to the uh, oh oh the, yeah the, um...
0: Navarro. I, I forgot about him because they they both kind of look similar. That's why I right. got confused. Um, yeah. I mean, it's.
1: I guess I mean it's definitely not a traditional boss fight in the sense of like, um,
0: yeah, because you, you you fight off some goons and he he has his shotgun that will quickly tear through uh, right the cover you're behind. If you're not if you, if you don't take cover behind the next uh, piece of cover, then he'll just shoot you dead. Yeah, which, it's just,
1: it's very scripted.
0: Yeah, it's very scripted, and then you get to the second half of the fight, which. Which isn't a fight because it's a bunch of quick time events, and I'd say that's like the one the one part where it's like, oh yeah, this is a game from the late two thousands. Is the quick time events and in that fight because one one slip up and then it's like, oh, Nathan's dead.
1: It's funny, and I'd have to replay it to verify this for certain. It is a quick time event. I'm not going to necessarily argue that, but if I remember right, I think the quick time event is actually. Like the buttons that you press are actually the same combo you do for the the like the like brutal combo melee like string that you can do against like regular enemies throughout the game. It's just speci- it's just specifically timed to deal with Navarro and do like a different animation set, even though it's the same general like idea. I'd have to replay that that part to be certain, but if I remember, I think he just does two of those specific combo strings against him that, like, it's just, like, the game is telling you instead of you get to shoot him or you get to, like, use the regular, like, spam square melee, like, you have to use a specific combo, which, if if you're like me and you, you played the game primarily doing that combo anyway, uh, you know, it like, again, my second time playing through, I I had no issues with that boss fight because I'd already gotten really used to the combo. It's, it's, it's either that exact combo is one very similar to it. It's, it's something to that nature. Um, I, I don't necessarily, I mean, it's not a script, it's not a well-done necessarily boss fight, but I do enjoy that final level just because, uh, you know, it's the first time since the beginning of the game we're kind of off the island. And it has that, you know, it has that very strong like finale feel to it. So I, I like the final level, even if the boss fight itself isn't very. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not going to go down in in gaming history as one of like the the best boss fights of all time.
0: What do you think of the uh, the vehicle sections? Because there's uh, one chapter we spend a lot of time on jet ski, and, and that is interesting because you kind of you switch between. Uh, Nathan driving the jet ski, and then Elena, who's firing, firing the again. grenade launcher.
1: Yeah, um, I must admit that of the like driving sections in Uncharted games, the jet ski is probably my least favorite, just because of the actual movement of the
0: jet ski. Uh, yeah, it is it is very floaty, and in retrospect, it reminds me a lot of the Jet Ski and, and how it controls it. reminds me a lot of the Jet Ski from Crash Bandicoot 3, which I don't know if you ever played that, but uh, the Jet Ski, at least in uh, the PS1 version of Crash Bandicoot 3, it, it, it controls a lot similarly to the Jet Ski. Well, not controls similarly, but more like the way it handles feels similar to the Jet Ski and Drake's Fortune.
1: Right, and and that's the thing. It's, it's funny because if you look at Drake's Fortune, one of the other, other big vehicle set pieces, that takes place actually before the jet skis is whenever him and Elena are in the the jeep and you know he, she's driving he's having to fire the the gun to keep all of Eddie's goons off of them. That for me is a lot more fun, right? You know that's a lot more like intense and you know stuff's blowing up and you're you know, you're constantly shooting. However, it's also much much more scripted, where the jet ski gives you actual a lot more control. And it feels, I mean, you, you actually have to follow the path. Um, but, but you know, you are the one truly controlling how you move around that path. So you have to think a lot more. But because you have to sit down and think and, and try and, like, get yourself into cover as driving the jet ski, it also slows down the pace quite a bit. So, and I think Drake's, I think those two things are very interesting and kind of show the... Um, I what would be the word for it? I guess, like, kind of dichotomy of being an Uncharted game is you want to be able to have those moments that are really, really fun and intense, and those are easier to achieve if you control the path, control the pace, control the narrative, but at the same time, you also want to be a, a game, and you want to allow the player to feel in control and stuff. However, whenever that happens, you start losing... Some of those elements of again the, the fun card chase so and that's what I think the later games start doing a really good job of is helping you feel in control while still keeping you to push forward move forward without it you know without it feeling scripted or if it does feel scripted feeling um you know like like you don't have necessarily like a lot of say input on the matter. <laughs>
0: Right, right, because, you know, it's like the the fourth game has those, like, semi-sandbox environments and uh, where, you, where you get to drive around the car, and you can get out and investigate areas. And well,
1: then, well, even then, Uncharted 4 has that really big chase sequence where you're driving and there's a lot of people shooting at you the whole time, but and, and you are effectively in full control of the vehicle the whole time until... You know he hops off and then you go into the the like hop, you know car hopping section of that that level but but for those like ten minutes, you are in control of the car and it and that is where I think Uncharted four goes back to like it has perfected the series and that that genre of gameplay and, and that just even that one level
0: and of course uh, an uncharted game is not complete without treasure's find. now I have to ask with uh, with Drake's fortune. Did you find all the treasures?
1: Uh, yes. I mean, I, I mean, I, I cheated in the sense that I used, like, internet guides. Um, and I, I didn't... I'm trying to remember. Did I do it on the PS3? I know I did it on the PS4. I'm, I don't think I did it on the PS3. So, like, whenever I played Uncharted uh, originally, especially for my my first of the very many playthroughs, I... Whenever I was on PS3, I only did it on the... the um, I, I don't think I bothered with treasures. I mean, if I found them, cool. There are a couple times I like looked around for them a little bit more, but I, I never went out of my way because, typically speaking, whenever I wanted to do an Uncharted game, I just wanted to sit down, play through it, you know, like a like a popcorn, you know, matinee or whatever, and you know, call it call it a day. Um, but I did, I did, I think, yeah, I think that's what happens. I think whenever I got the the PS4 titles or remasters, I should say, I was kind of like. Yeah, what the heck? I'll I'll go ahead and do it. You know, it gives me a little bit more of a different different challenge now that I have like this this new game on my hands. And uh, Uncharted Four also inspired me to do it because a lot of the treasures and collectibles in that game are actually you know like actually story based. You know, they're not just like random trinkets that you get for bragging rights, but some of them actually like are like letters that you know give more context to the, to the like the 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 environment you're in or the, the history of, of Henry Avery's treasure and whatnot. So I remember I kind of went on charted four and was like, yeah, I'm going to, I mean, I might as well get all these. It works for the story. And then after I did for that one, I was like, sure, I'll get for all the others too. Why not?
0: Yeah. I I think, uh, play, play through Drake's fortune for the first time. I, I want to say I found about three fourths of the treasure of the treasures. I'd have to go back and double check, but I found roughly three fourths because it, it's funny. It's like, with with the with the odd number entries, I had an easier time finding the treasures versus the even number entries, where I had a bit of a hard time. I wasn't finding as many treasures as I as I was with like the odd number tiles. was like okay, maybe it's, it's probably because yeah, the, the grander scope and whatnot as such is like where the hell are the treasures at? <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: two. I I definitely remember having a lot of hard treasures to find. I, I can agree with that. Four, I thought was a little bit easier because, again, I thought they did a decent job of. I, I felt like they wanted you to find the treasures more, with it with it being more story based. I'm trying to remember on three, my experience with with that because um, again, I, I was with you. I found about like probably like half to three fourths. We'll say two thirds right now. Right, that's nice in between. But I I found about. Uh, two thirds in the in the most of the main titles on the PS3.
0: Right, and I, and I do like the fact that with the with the Uncharted games, they they encourage replayability in a lot of ways because you have uh you have cheats, you have alternate skins, you have uh what weapons you can uh, switch between, uh, and there's also uh the uh, speed run mode. Right. Yeah, that they added that on the the remasters. Yeah, the, the speedrun modes, which are which are basically like ti- time tri- excuse me, time trials more or less. So I, I like that they add, add that stuff. and It's not just oh, you, you get X number of uh, treasures. Here, here's a trophy. It's like no, you you do want to go out your way to find the treasures and and beat the game because it unlocks stuff that you can mess around with on subsequent playthroughs, like uh, Donut Drake, which. Which I, I, I'm going I'm going to say right now, uh, Uncharted Four gets a zero out of ten for me because they didn't bring back Donut Drake. I don't care about sensitivity. I, I if I want to play as a fat Nathan Drake, let me play as a fat Nathan Drake.
1: <laughs> uh, Donut Drake was uh, a it's it it sucks. Then that you're uh, you never got to play the the titles on the PS3 because you could do Donut Drake in the multiplayer. And, uh, yeah, sure, I think you had a bigger hitbox, and those people tend to get targeted a little bit more, but it was really worth it to see a fat Nathan Drake just mowing down other actual, like, human players around around that. That was, oh, man, I had a lot of fun with that. You, you gotta lay off the
0: donuts, Nate.
1: <laughs> yeah, if I remember right, they referenced, they used that in one of the games, I think that was in 2?
0: Yeah, two two is uh f- two Flynn, Flynn is like yeah. you got you got to lay off the donuts. <laughs> lay off the donuts. Yeah, yeah, during the the heist. <laughs> right. So uh f- final thoughts on Drake's Fortune. I mean,
1: it's it's definitely a game uh, I know I've I've recommended it to people um you know re- like we'll say the past like 2 3 years. And sometimes they they have a harder time getting into it because of how old it is. I I know I always encourage them to still stick with it for one, because you know got to be able to judge the game on the, the the merits and standards of of which it was originally released, right? You know that was a phenomenal game in the terms of for its time, like technological advancements for the PS3 era, um, and even back then, you know people would probably argue it wasn't like. Phenomenal, phenomenal in terms of like the the game as a whole, but you know it does lay down all the foundation of where we get to what are definitely considered uh, by most accounts phenomenal games with two and three, uh, and and for me personally, I still I still have fun with it quite a bit, and we would, would call it probably a great game for its time. Uh, and maybe that's me looking back in, in retrospect because I didn't play a lot of the the PS3 titles at launch. Again, I got P- I got the PS3 after like Uncharted Three came out. Um, so so maybe there were a lot of other titles at that time that could that would probably be considered better or rival uh, rival Uncharted One. But whenever I look at like what it paved forward, uh, and at least just in terms of how, you know, the the story it tells and, and for what, for, for where gaming, I know gaming definitely was at that time. It, it's, it at least headed me in the direction that I wanted to see gaming going towards with more cinematic, more story driven stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, paid off in the long run
0: for Naughty Dog. That's about how I, how I feel with the first first game as well. You could you could definitely tell it's the first game and in many areas because the story the story isn't is as grand. It's definitely more self contained. Um, the villains aren't as interesting compared to the bad guys in the sequels and and the gameplay, though enjoyable, it, it does come off as basic in some areas. They move with the gunplay and puzzle solving, which for for me at least are are a bit simplistic and though enjoyable it's simplistic in by the numbers but i think what what keeps what keeps the game aloft is is the is the writing and characters because these are compel these are compelling characters especially the protagonists Nathan Drake uh Victor Sullivan and and Elena they're they're likable people and, you know Nathan Drake he, like you've said he has that everyman quality bound that like oh yeah this this could be me and, and this this could be me in his position i would probably react... A lot of the same ways that he he reacts to a lot of situations as well. So, I definitely th- well hold on. Let, let me up. And I definitely think that uh, Dra Drake's Fortune is is a solid game. Uh, it's like I said. It's it's probably not. It's definitely not my favorite Uncharted, but I can enjoy it for what it is. Because at at the end, I I was left with a smile on my face because of how fun it was. Go ahead.
1: Uh well, and I think it's because you you mentioned that release date of two thousand seven, which is very important to remember because that means that this game was in development during PS two era, right. right? And you can def, and I think that's the thing is this is definitely a PS two era game that if you play it does not feel like a PS two game. In the terms of of at least the technological advancements that that occurred with it, in terms of graphics and and environments and, and stuff like that, it, it it so and that's where I, again I, I kind of have to judge it on its merits of its time frame, not just in terms. I mean, if, yeah, you play it, what fifteen years later, or almost fifteen years later, and yeah, it doesn't doesn't hold up you know, nearly as well as sequels or most other games coming out right now. But for its time, it it did a lot that I think a lot of people didn't like realize at that time.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So yeah, Uncharted. Drake, Uncharted, Drake's Fortune. Good game. And uh, before we move on to the sequel, I want to do a little pop quiz for you. What So, uh, Victor Sullivan's voice actor, Richard McGoggle, what incredible superhero did he voice prior to doing Uncharted? Um, I did not know he did a superhero,
1: actually. If I had to guess, I would say probably, I don't know, maybe, uh like, did aqua did aquaman have like any uh, like animated film? I mean I'm going to guess he was a voice actor for for one of them obviously and and I'm trying to think of like animated like specifically DC films like cuz I don't remember Marvel having a lot of like animated stuff around that time.
0: I'll go I'll go ahead. Uh you're wrong. Sorry. Uh you 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 lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir. Uh but no, the answer is <laughs> No, the answer is uh, he voiced Mr. Incredible for uh, Incredibles' tie-in video game back in 2004. Yeah, if and if, if you go and listen to it, you can tell, like, oh yeah, that that's Sullivan from Uncharted.
1: Yeah, he has a very distinct voice. I have heard him in various other things. I didn't hear him in any superhero things, you know, set before uh, uh, Uncharted came out. But yeah, I, I've heard him in various other games and, like, animated stuff. And every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, wow, it's Sully.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Let's move on to Uncharted 2. Uncharted 2, it's a great game. It not only improves upon everything the first game did, it also expands the scope. Uh, the the, the Ryan is stronger than ever, and I, I'd argue it's one of the best sequels ever made. You'd probably argue that 4 is one of the best sequels ever made, but I think, two. Uh, as far as sequels go, and just games in general, Un- Uncharted 2 is one of the best. Uh, yeah, no, I, I,
1: I, well, I will say 4 is one of the best sequels ever made as well. I will also, no, I, you're absolutely right. Again, looking back at the time that Uncharted 2 came out, I mean, because uh, that one was 2009. That was only two years after uh, Drake's Fortune came
0: out. Right, and the fact that they improved so much upon it w- within within just the span of two years really really speaks volumes about the uh, the talent of Night Dog. Because wasn't okay. So Amy Hennig, I know she was a writer on two and three. Was she a writer on the first one?
1: Yes, she was involved with the whole series, with the exceptions of Golden Abyss, Four, and Lost Legacy. And even then, they used a lot of her ideas in Four. In some of the like strong like kind of like again kind of like core structure or whatever, but they 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 did a lot of their own thing with it after she was departed. Which it's still a very confusing situation that that could be a whole podcast on on itself. Yeah, yeah. we're I, we're, we're
0: we're here to talk about the games themselves, and, and again, Uncharted Two is a, is an amazing game. It's a it's a fast paced roller coaster ride that. It's not. It's not just contained to one location. It, you're jumping all around the globe because you're going from the jungles. You're going to the snowy depths of Nepal, and you're going to long lost exotic cities filled with various monsters of shapes and sizes. It's a. It's a. It's a frenetic game to say the least.
1: Oh yeah. It. They leaned. If if the first one was like, how do we. Establish a, a new Indiana Jones esque character for gaming. Two is like how now how do we actually like perfect him as Indiana Jones or and but not and not just Indiana Jones but as his own thing as well. And yeah, two did a phenomenal job. Uh, both both in terms of when it was made and it still holds up in my in my book pretty well today. It's man i i have nothing but praise for uncharted 2
0: well give us a rundown of the story for uncharted 2
1: oh this one's a lot more complex than uh <laughs> uh so uncharted 2 uh among thieves um he you know nathan uh gets recruited by a, a couple uh shady characters from his past to to start uh to perform a museum heist for a, a mis- an even more mysterious client, he gets betrayed. It finds out that his client is a Russian or ex-Russian warlord or something to that nature. And that he is after the secret city of Shambhala. And from pretty much the, that point on, he is both trying to get to the treasure before him while also just staying alive and keeping everybody he's coming in contact with from from dying. I mean, that's, like I would said earlier, Uncharted 2 is where we start to see the obsessive nature of Nathan Drake kind of rear its ugly head, but it's less about the treasure and more about kind of proving himself as this hero and as this, you know... Because, greatness—the the concept of greatness—is something that's kind of established the whole series, and it's something that Nathan is is constantly pursuing. In the 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 first game, he's just, you know he's pursuing it through what he thinks is this treasure related to his you know his family because of of um, you know him inheriting the 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 Francis Drake legacy, while. And, you know, he, he's willing to kind of give up on it quicker while, well, two, it's like he has to prove himself. And we don't quite understand fully why, again, especially if you haven't played the first game and, and if you don't play further in the series, uh, to, like, you know, kind of go out and risk his neck for people who don't deserve it. Or, and, and, you know, and it's, again, it's because he, he feels the need uh, to, to be the, quote, hero. Uh, and it's very, it's very telling that the game's title is Among Thieves, because this is, of course a reference to the, the saying, there is no honor among thieves, or or sorry, there is, the, or honor among thieves, um, while the fact that they purposely, uh, cut out the, the honor part, uh, in that game is, is obviously very intentional, not only with the, the, the meaning of you know Marco Polo was among thieves back whenever he did this whole Shimbala journey, but also because nathan drake is is among a lot of really kind of crappy individuals, and he's trying to find his honor among them when there really is none with with that with that group of people. I think what's interesting though is he he does find it later, but it's once elena in, enters the picture
0: mm-hmm. because for for the longest while. You don't, you don't see uh, Elena until he arrives in, what was the name of the place? It would have
1: been Nepal, whenever he kind of first meets her, and at this point he's like fully, you know, engaged with, you know, uh, Chloe, Frasier, and, you know, they're off like, you know, let's, you know, let's beat Lazarovich, and, you know, let's, let's get this treasure before him, and then he meets Elena, and then it's like, well, uh, crap, now I kind of want to start, like, looking after people. And, and, you know, and again, that's where he starts beginning to find his honor a little bit more. But then he takes it to the whole Nexus stream where he goes, again, on that giant train. The, the most iconic scene, I think, of the series, potentially. If, if For me, it's probably the plane in, in 3, which we could I could talk about for ages. but But I think for most people, it's probably the train in 2. Where, you know, you spend two whole levels on this train trying to save Chloe because she's been captured by uh, Lazarevich. And, uh, you know, whenever he finally gets there, she's just like, I didn't ask you to do this. I, I can take care of myself. Bye. And then, you know, he winds up getting shot for his troubles, and then the, the whole train crashes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. And that's that's the other thing, too, is that, like, Uncharted 2, it starts in media res with Nathan Drake hanging off the side of a train. He has to climb his way up, back on the solid ground, and even then, he, he's not safe because it's for one freezing cold, but also Lizarovich's men are out hunting for him. Right? Yeah, that's
1: Uncharted. Two, un, either Uncharted Two or Uncharted Four have the strongest input like intros for me, and it's because of it's because they use that tactic that you'd said earlier the the uh, in media race where uh, you know slating for in the middle of things. Because they want to show you, uh, you know, just what extremes Nathan has gotten himself into already, you know, in this in this story. I think Twos might be a little bit stronger because I, 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 I think Twos does a really good job. At, it shows that crazy, I guess I wouldn't call it action scene, but just like intense scene of him hanging off the train, gut shot, we don't know why. And you know, climbing up as the trains, you know, going to, about to go into freefall, and and then it cuts to the flashback of you know, uh, you know him talking with, with uh, Flynn, Chloe, and it's like, you know, what could possibly go wrong? And then it cuts back to the train. You know, I, I like that that non chronological storytelling where. You know, a scene of him saying, what well, could possibly go wrong if they had made that the very first scene and then didn't cut back to the action? That, well, that would have a lot less weight to it. But whenever it, you're interlacing it with him in the middle of probably the most dire straits um, segment of, of the story, well, then, then it has a lot more weight.
0: Where where was. Hang on. Oh yeah. Uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, uh, of all of all the games in the series, I, th- I think two has the best an- antagonist because you have, you have Lizarovich and and Flynn, and Chloe. Chloe's not an antagonist; she's more of an anti-hero. She plays for both sides, and Chloe for me is, she's the polar opposite of Elena. And yeah, because uh, cause Chloe, she's more adventurous. She's more wild. Like, come come on, Nate. Let's, let's do this, you know you know you want to and Nate's like oh yeah I want to whereas where's Elena is is more like Nate you you really should think before you before you get, before you do before you do something that might endanger us Chloe
1: represents the bad side of Nathan that gets himself into trouble Elena represents the the side of him that that is actually potentially great
0: yeah uh I was going to say Chloe is the devil on Nathan's shoulder. Elena is the angel on his other shoulder.
1: Right, and and it's funny because as Nate begins to develop and transform a little bit, especially by the end of the 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 game, you actually begin to see Chloe start to change for the better as well. And, and you know, I I think that's that's an interesting facet of you know she's definitely the representation of you know no honor among thieves, but. She does eventually, yeah. And and Elena is the is the honor, but then, but then she is able to kind of begin to start finding her honor after Nathan starts finding his, and 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 it has nothing to do with her continuing to necessarily be a thief uh, or be this treasure hunter. But as much as it as much as it is really coming down to um, kind of like the the last act, whenever her and Elena have their their little fight, and you know
0: it's like this is about saving the world. <laughs> I think I think the strongest point in Uncharted two for me was the section where Nathan ends up in the village and he spends a lot of time with the I uh, I forget the guy's name but he's a Nep 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 Nepol Tanzin. right yeah that guy because it's like he does Nathan doesn't understand all they saying but then it's like he he starts to. While, while he's going around with Tenzin, exploring the uh, the caverns and whatnot, he, he begins to have these realizations about himself.
1: Right. Yeah, and that I mean, I always liked Tenzin because he had a cool hat. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm i a big hat guy, and especially in my action adventures, so Tenzin became immediately cool to me whenever, you know, you have this kind of looking like Indiana Jones himself, just... just mm, Nepalese, I or I don't know how you pronounce that. He's from Nepal, and he looks like Indiana Jones. And then, like, whenever the Yetis attack attack him, and you're like, "Oh no, is Tenzin down?" No, he just gets up and then like starts slicing into that thing with like a big old knife. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's right, Tenzin's Tenzin's my man." <laughs> but but you're right that that's a good story development part for, for Nathan too, is because he starts to realize like the significance of the treasure isn't money and it isn't glory. It's, it's, you know, that that's whenever it's going to be used for potentially very terrible means and what he's enabled and, and, and what, you know, Flynn and Chloe have enabled is is the potential for a, a, a madman to do very terrible things because none of them were actually thinking through what, what they were doing. You know, they, they were thieves. They saw a quick, you know, quick score. Let's do it. And again, cause they had no honor. they I didn't want to think through anything. They didn't want to consider who their client was. It not only had bad effects for them, but everyone around them.
0: What, what are your thoughts on the antagonist, namely Lazarevich and Flynn? Cause I, I think for me, at least they're my favorite antagonist of all the, of all the games in the series. Because Flynn, he's he's the classic, you know, backstabbing, part my first douchebag, and then Lazarevich, Well, he he basically develops a god complex and he wants to become an unstoppable, immoral being because this once he realizes that this treasure is actually this mysterious, this this energy that'll make him all powerful, it it drives him mad. Right. Um. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'd
1: say they're my favorite antagonists. I like them a lot, obviously. Um, I, to be honest, I don't even really know what my favorite antagonist in the series is because um, I think they kind of all bring out different. They they all work for their respective stories very well, so um, yeah, I guess. But but as far as as my general thoughts on me, you pretty much summed it up. Yeah, as he's um, uh, he's a madman, and I I will say if you're gonna judge an antagonist based on the terms of how badly you want the hero to punch them in the face and or you know in 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 general just beat them right. I would definitely say Lazarevich and Flynn t- take the cake on that one because Flynn after he betrays you you're just like. I really want, I really, he has a very punchable face for me right now. (laughs) And Lazarevich, the whole time, as soon as, especially whenever you see him, like, kill his, like, As I think the introduction, like, the first scene we actually see of Lazarevich is whenever he kills one of his own men for, like, keeping some, like, minor artifact that he was wanting to, like, sell. And you're like, wow, this guy is, like, really evil. And then... The next time we see Labar Lazarvich, which is the first time him and Nathan meet, is whenever he kills Jeff. And, you know, Jeff is the obvious, you know, he's the real hero of the whole Uncharted series. Forget Drake. I mean, once once you kill Jeff, man, we gotta we gotta avenge Jeff. Yeah, no, I mean I would go into Last of Us Two spoilers, but man, that's like that's like whenever uh, certain other characters die in that series and I'm like, man, I gotta avenge them. <laughs> yeah jeff yeah no of course i mean sarcasm aside yeah jeff was obviously meant to just be the the guy that got off as soon as possible to make Lazarovich the you know in case we didn't already know it he's the real bad guy but i did i did find i, I liked the um the kind of meta jokes that occurred within the uncharted community regarding jeff because he was only there for like two missions he gets off and for whatever reason like everybody was like you know what we really like Jeff. We're mad he's dead. Let, let's avenge him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But, and, and I'll definitely say that L- Lazarvich does get a really good comeuppance at the end of the game.
1: Right, yeah. With it, With getting beat by his own treasure, more or less.
0: Yeah, he he gets ripped apart by the, uh... I want to say they're orcs, but they're not orcs.
1: They're the guardians of Jeff Yeah, the guardians. They're, 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 they're but the... they because they've ta- they're the ones that have taken the uh, the the like the sap or like the the tree of life, yeah. So now they're uh, so now they're super powered. But you know, it, it both dr- the thing is, I could never tell even on subsequent playthroughs if the guardians were actually mad. You know, if they were driven crazy by power or whatever, or if they were actually. Because, I mean, because I always interpreted the Guardians have existed for, like, centuries, and I wonder if, like, you know, again, they've lived for so long, like, they have no real need to communicate or act like humans anymore, but they, I mean, they do seem relatively intelligent, because, I mean, they're the Yetis that you see in the caverns and and around the monastery that, like, freak you out so much the first time you play it, You you realize those are actually humans purposely... You know, I think Lizarvich describes them as scarecrows. You know, they're they're they they're obviously intelligent enough to register. People are freaked out by by yetis, and they'll stay away. So, I, I I'm still on the fence regarding were they driven mad by power or were they truly actually like protectors of of power? You know, living up to the title of of you know being a guardian.
0: I did like that twist with the A's though, where they're actually people wearing costumes. Because at first you think that they are like legit Yetis, but then uh, a little later you then realize, oh, wait a minute, they're actually they're actually people.
1: Right. I that would be. Uh, to be honest, I don't know where I stand on that. I think it's really cool. You know, it's a cool twist. I partly wonder though, how did like cause, like Nathan goes up close to these things at least a couple times before, you know, it's revealed. And I I have to wonder like how did he not tell that it was a costume? Like I I think I'm if there's like one like change, one thing that like if Jared Ponton were writing the uncharted series or at least uncharted 2, I would have had it been like the yeti's were like real creatures of shambada shambala but they were actually like trained by the guardians, you know, it's like 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 dogs or something like that uh just because there's no point in like making the yeti's non-mythical whenever you're going to replace them with mythical humans that have taken superpowers <laughs> from a tree of life you know what i mean so there's no need to do if that was the the argument um, yeah i think i think but, that's
0: what they were i think that's what they were trying to go for with the yeti's like they throw you off, and you're thinking, "Oh, wow, how can I get more ridiculous to that?" But then they add the realism angle. Where it's like, "Oh, they're actually people." But then you, you meet the uh, the guardians later on, which are the real, legit supernatural threads. Like, "Oh, okay."
1: Well, no the the guardians were the ones in the yeti costumes too, and that's that's where that's why they were so strong and everything. That's where that's where I was like, um, "Why did?" Again, I, I like the I like the angle that it, it at least starts providing the argument, hey, these things are these people are really intelligent. They're not actually just crazy because, you know, a crazy person you know, at least like a, if you're going to like look back on uncharted 1 where, you know, they're the the humans get all cursed and and they, they act more like uh, say like a a rabid dog or, or you know, a zombie. These things were definitely not zombies. They were definitely capable of of Critical thinking, and and in terms of like basically performing, I, I would guess terms of guerrilla warfare. So you know that's that's probably the angle they went for, and, and again, it's probably a good thing. I d- I don't wind up writing these things because um, Amy Amy Hitting is a much more equipped and better writer than than I am. But I just remember the first time I played, I was like I was a little disappointed that they weren't real. I liked
0: the Yetis. <laughs> well, moving on to the gameplay, it's it's a huge step up from like like everything else in uncharted 2 it's it's a it's a noticeable improvement the, the gunplay is more satisfying uh the puzzle solving is more is more involved the, the platforming is more is more involved and also more large scale because you're you're cli- you're climbing more crazy elaborate structures it's like oh my oh my god this is this is a sequel all right and and also, there's also legitimate stealth instead of the sort of maybe try to sneak up on them if you can. No, it's like you can actually with a lot of encounters, you are given the option to either sneak up on enemies or, you know, go in guns blazing.
1: Right, yeah, you can do either all stealth or no stealth but you're, you know, you're not necessarily punished either way. Yeah, it's, uh, too, too stealth for its time was really, uh, fun for me looking you know at, at the the way they took the cover based shooter mechanics and then they decided to transform it from shooter mechanic for like, like the cover for just like okay this cover is my you know what keeps me safe from bullets uh and then they transformed it to not even just cuz normally you would think like cover for stealth is great for you know keeping me not spotted which of course it does serve that purpose but both in and out of stealth, the cover starts serving as means of doing environmental takedowns. And that's, that's whenever the gameplay opens up a lot more is whenever you're in the middle of a gunfight and you can either pin a guy on a wall or get behind cover and then like go, Oh, there's this guy right here and grab him and like take him to the side where you're still safe from all the other people shooting you. And of course that, that mechanic still works within stealth to where you can go like, okay, I can, uh, you know, I don't have to just get behind this guy. I just have to be close and in cover to him.
0: <laughs> yeah, they uh, they they also added in more enemy types as, as well because you have your heavily armored enemy variants, some of which wield shotguns, and then later on you have the really heavily armored guys that wield miniguns. Uh, you also have... There were, there were the bits uh, in Uncharted where you had to deal with a guy who was on, like, a weapon emplacement. Uh, Uncharted 2, they added in portions where you're having to deal with tanks, and you're... you're sometimes you're, you're fleeing the tank, and then other times you're chasing the tank through the level as you uh will it down south. And also, yeah, the the fights with the, the helicopter, as, as the helicopters as well, when you're in the uh, Nepal city and then later on the train. Yeah,
1: yeah, they... they... Uncharted Two is what really pushed the cinematic aspects of Uncharted to the forefront. It, it ceased to be a just a cinematic game or an action adventure game, and it started to become a cinematic experience. And 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 yeah, the, like the tank and the the helicopter, and uh, you know, even figuring out like you know, you can approach those helmeted guys like a um, you know, with your gun, or where we could, you know, you can do the standard: shoot them in the helmet, get the helmet off, and then shoot the 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 guy's head. After you know, you can you can approach it or wheel down the health of your gun. But um, I, and I don't know how many people know this or tried this. You can actually melee uh, a decent amount of the. There, there's like a couple different helmet types, um, but like most of the helmets, you can just fully go up to and start a melee attack with. And he'll go into different melee animations where Nathan is trying to actively like remove the helmet off before he, you know, starts going into the more standard melee. And that like honestly, once I figured that out, I was like, this is gonna be like if if at all possible and you know it's not gonna be a giant risk to my, my health bar. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and, and take them out because that looks that look
0: just looks cool. <laughs> I, I uh, never I never do that. I, I what I always like doing was, you know, you grab a propane tank, you throw it, and then you do the quick shot to cause it to explode and take out a bunch of guys. I, I remember there there's a bit where you're tra- uh, traversing the rooftops, and there was one part where it was, I was on top of the building, and there were some guys on the a, on a lower story building. I grabbed a propane tank, I threw it, and then once, just as it was about to land, I, I pressed a quick fire and just took them all out once, and I was like, that was so, and that was so satisfying. Not only like that, it was capped off with Nathan Drake saying, "Oh, ho, ho, that was sweet." <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: I, I I like the propane stuff too. And yeah, and that's the thing. I forgot all about the propane there for a second. I definitely used that tactic a few times. Yeah. I tended, I tended to like to, because I didn't like to stand out in the open while holding the propane tank. So I'd like, I like to try to like move Nate and then like maneuver a guy like closer to like an in place propane uh but I mean yeah that, that and that's the thing is uncharted 2 opened up the means of taking down enemies for third person shooters or at least this series. I maybe shouldn't say third-person shooters as a whole, because it's not like I have a great timeline of all the mechanics of, of third-person shooters in front of me. But for definitely for Uncharted, man, it opened it up just tenfold with how you could take him out either. I mean, it wasn't just an introduction to stealth, and then, you know, that's it. Right? Like, I, that, I,
0: I also... Well, I also think it's because there's there's a lot more because the combat is more fleshed out. You have more of an incentive to try out different weapon combinations. You know, it's a, it's a two weapon it's a two weapon limit, but you have a variety of firearms to choose from. Like, okay, do I want to keep a sniper rifle with me and, so I can take him out long range? Do I want a do I want a hand cannon just in case? Or, You know, a Desert Eagle, Desert Five, just in case. You know, the, oh, there's a heavily armored enemy. I can just quickly take him out by using that. I, I definitely like that they, they add that to the combat, giving give you more options with, like, the firearms and whatnot. Yeah,
1: I, I like that, too. I, I got to the point where, like, what I would like to do is figure out, like, my preferred weapon combo. You know, normally, like, a semi-auto pistol and then a full-auto rifle, but I'd actively, like, try to find places on the map where I could do a quick pickup, like, say... If I could, like, know where a sniper rifle was, I'd still keep my auto rifle as, like, my main weapon of choice. But if I know where the sniper rifle is, I might move myself up there, pick it up for a few shots, and then get my rifle again and, and you know, move on. Um, to where, you know, I'm, I'm still encouraged to try out different weapons. But even whenever, you know, you get comfortable with, like, oh, dude, this is, like, my my base uh, my baseline, like, loadout, you know, it, the way they had weapons even just placed around the environment it like encouraged me to you know draw enemies in with a shotgun you know if I'd find a shotgun draw some enemies in blast them pick up my rifle move on or you know get up high with a sniper shoot pick up my rifle again move on uh, and of course you know some other people probably just you know they might have just carried around a sniper rifle a lot of times and you know, there was really no you know, punishment or incentive not
0: to if that's what they were good with what are your thoughts on the on the puzzles? Uh I will say this, I don't particularly
1: remember most of the puzzles in uncharted 2. I mean, I I mean I do, but
0: there's um, the bit I don't I, a...
1: I don't think they're as memorable as some of the later games puzzles.
0: I, I get you. Well, there you know, there's the one part in in 2 where where you're climbing the uh the statue's arms and you try and get them in the place. Right, yeah. And, and that
1: one's that one is one I'd say is the most memorable.
0: And there's the other, and then there's also the other puzzle. I think it, it comes before it, where you have to uh, manipulate the uh, reflectors to get the, to activate the lights, and that lowers down these these giant uh right. things for Nathan to climb on. I forget how it, it was after it. actually. Yeah, it was, okay, it was, it was, it was after,
1: after the the arms, and then yeah, it was
0: that one was yeah those those that two one was were... a giant puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, those two were like the the best puzzles in the game for me, and yeah, that's a good point. I'm trying to, think, I'm trying to think of other puzzles right now that were in Uncharted 2. Uh, while while I don't remember much of the puzzles aside from those two on Uncharted 2, I do remember the set pieces because the first Uncharted it it sort of had set pieces, sort of not a whole lot. The, there was the bit where Atlanta's driving the jeep and. Nathan's on the emplacement. That's the one that stands out to me the most. That and your scaling the wall of the fortress. Uh, Uncharted 2, though, it goes... It just goes, you, you want set pieces? Here are set pieces. Again, there's the opening. There's the opening where you're climbing the train. There's the bit where you first arrive in the war-torn city, and he's he's fleeing from a truck, and you have to shoot at it. And then, you know, it explodes, and crashes it crashes, and you nearly escape... There's the train sequence, which again takes up two chapters, and you're hopping between different cars and having to dodge the uh, the the overhead lights that are passing by the train as, as you climb through, any transition from the uh, the sunny sunny jungles to the the, co- the cold wintry environments. Uh, what what else? There's there's so much more. It's just like yeah, these... the these bridge is... that falls out from under him. Yeah, the bridge. Uh, the A- tank. And, 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 yeah, the tank, the hel- the helicopter, they just they they went nuts with the uh set pieces and it's more for the better. I mean, it's like cuz I I remember that the the train the train section, I I died a few times uh on the train section, but nevertheless, I I was just like geared in the whole time like oh my god, this is so awesome.
1: Yeah, they like I said earlier, they really perfected the Indiana Jones like action adventure like Fantasy. Uh, I mean, they. I, I the story. The I mean, and that's the thing. is again. The, that's where we start seeing like less of it being. It I mean like you register it scripted, but at the same time you don't feel it's necessarily scripted, as you're in the middle of it. You're just trying to focus on like, oh my gosh, what's happening next? Like you know, and that's that's where. Uncharted Two really shines and it starts defining the the rest of the series uh,
0: in terms of in terms of gameplay, meeting script. Definitely, definitely. There's not a whole lot else like c- I can think of regarding the gameplay. Other than yeah, it's a, it's a huge improvement. Uh, it's it's the first game's gameplay, but better. That's that's the best way to summarize it.
1: Right. I mean. I mean that's the thing; is it's not even just better. It's just it, it's it's a full uh, rehaul of, of new additions and and you know thought processes of how do we let Nathan Drake approach these situations, react to these situations, uh, and get himself through <laughs> these different situations.
0: I would say think about it now. I would say that enemies are are a bit bully. Or excuse me, are a bit bullet spongy. not just like the heavily armored enemies, but like normal goons. Because I do remember there were instances where sometimes I shoot I'd shoot a guy in the head and he'd still be alive. Like, dude, I just shot you in the head.
1: Um, I didn't see that unless it was a, a an armored enemy. But I also only played on like I forget easy or normal. I never went to like the like the higher like hard or crushing modes. I don't know what game play game mode.
0: Uh, I, I, I i was on i was on normal but it was just something i i i'd notice that every once every once in a while it, it didn't become it it didn't become to so, uh excuse me try to think straight it didn't reach a point where it, it annoyed me but it was one of those cases like wait oh come on that, that should that should kill them come on but was right
1: yeah the yeah especially the armored enemies i would have liked to see them at least flinch if I shot them while if I shot them,
0: I don't care if you have body armor or not, you're going to, like, feel it. <laughs> I, I, I have a I have a funny story with the armed enemies. Towards the end of Uncharted 2, because um, there's a bit where you have to navigate through some uh, rav- ravaging waters. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And, well, uh, at, one po- uh, at one point... Sorry, which game? Uncharted 2. Towards the okay, tail yeah, end. Yeah, two. yeah, where it's storming and whatnot. But tor- towards the tail end, it was like... I was around the corner, and I see this uh, heavy art, and he come at me with a shotgun, so I start firing at him, and then eventually, after I shoot him, he uh, he's staying there, and then all of a sudden, he just leaps over and, and, and dies, like, he's like, am I dead? Yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, that I, I happened
1: ha- a couple times with rocket launchers, as well, if you used those. It's like the game would wouldn't register completely, yet like, oh, wow, they took a lot of damage really quick.
0: <laughs> uh, final thoughts on Uncharted 2? Uh, I mean, it's
1: just, it's one of the best sequels uh, ever made, for sure. Uh, not just my account, but that tends to be most people's perceptions on the game, and I mean, for a lot of people, it's their, their absolute favorite. Uh, me, like I've said, I'm pretty... Pretty more partial to Uncharted four, and I tend to actually think the series as a whole got like continually better. So like I might, I tend like somewhat think that three has a little bit of an edge on on two, but two in terms of being the sequel that improves upon the original, definitely did that one probably the the most for the series. Uh, maybe maybe four did did came close for three. That's a kind of hard call, just because, you know, they were on completely different generations of systems. But um, I think 2 did it most importantly, perhaps is the better term, where they, you know, 2 improved in all the ways it needed to and in all the ways that it didn't need to, but it worked out for the better that it did.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm Uncharted think it back on the games, because it, it, it's funny, like, the day before we record we record this uh discussion i just be in uncharted 4 i'm mm-hmm. gonna say it right now but uh think, thinking back on, on the games i definitely say two, 2 is my favorite because it's like you mentioned yeah it has a it, it has a, a great balance of of uh you know story gameplay visuals cinematics all that it all it all gels together into this superb experience you know, again, the first game—it's a—it's a self-contained adventure. You can enjoy for what it is. It's not mm-hmm. entirely comp—it's not entirely complicated, but you know, it's—it's it's a fun romp. Two, they get you more invested in the characters. They get you more invested invested in the situation that's that's going on. You know, by introducing characters like Chloe Lazarovich and Flynn. The gameplay—I'd say the gameplay and story both complement each other the gameplay and story both complement each other well in all the games but i think it's 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 at its best here and 2 because you're going to all these different locations you're trying out all these new gameplay styles and the whole time you're you're engaged with what's going on cuz there mm-hmm. there were, there were plenty of times where like as i mentioned before it was like i i was just i was hooked with what's going on whether i was you know Climbing up ancient ruins, solving the puzzle, shooting bad guys while dodging uh, Rocket Launcher Blast. I I, I was just hooked the whole time, and yeah, Uncharted 2 is not just a great sequel, but it it is definitely one of the great games uh, ever made.
1: For sure. My only real disappointment with it is there's not enough Sully.
0: (laughs) I didn't mind that. I'm I'm glad that they didn't, like try to force a way for him to show up later. Like, oh hey hey Nate, I uh brought Elena here. She she got real concerned about you, well, so I took the to word he thought, she thought you might be. So I'm glad they didn't. I'll I'll, I'll say that I'm glad they didn't contrive a way for Sully to show up later in Nepal. I'm, I'm glad they uh they 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 kept you know they leave they leave him at the jungle. That's the last time you see him. Besides, when you get to the third game, they definitely go all in with uh, exploring Nate and Sully's relationship, which... Speaking of... Speaking of... Uh, speaking of... Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception. Jared, give us a rundown of Uncharted 3, Drake Deception's... Excuse me, Drake's Deception's story. That's a bit of a tongue twister.
1: Right, yeah. Um, okay, so if Uncharted 2's story was complicated, this one gets that much more complicated because the villains are people from Nate's childhood, then are also a secret society slash cult that is obsessed with basically control and power. And, uh, the big deal is with uncharted threes, you know, reasons called deception is because of the, you know, like most uncharted titles, it, it has like a dual meaning, you know, supposedly Sir Francis strike deceived the queen of England. Um, and and searched for and maybe found uh, the quote um, uh, Atlantis of the Sands the city of Ubar uh out in the Middle East uh and then as we also see it seems that Nathan Drake has his own mysteries and uh deceptions that he has been putting on uh for those around him like Sully and Elena um that we that we find out and it's that, this game, just in terms of structure, is definitely the most complex, and I'm hesitant to use the term messy. It kind of felt like it the first time on subsequent playthroughs. I realized what they were going for, why they were going for it, and appreciated it a lot more. But the first time, it's definitely the... I would say ambitious is probably the better term.
0: It's definitely a lot more ambitious in terms of story. Uh... Yeah, because with with this story, it's the first time we've been given any sort of legitimate exploration into Nathan Drake's past. And at least for Uncharted three, at least we find out that he he was he was an orphan who at one point, uh, way back when he was he was a young lad, he he came across uh, one uh, Victor Sullivan who used to be in a relationship with a woman named Marlowe, or as I like to call her, I can't believe it's not Helen Mirren.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I thought the same thing. She looked very Helen Mirren.
0: Yeah, and that that's that's like the if anything, the the main focus of Uncharted Three is definitely uh Nate Nate and Sully. Yeah, would you agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well,
1: I wouldn't say it's just Nate and Sully. It is. It's, it, it's, it does. It, it,
0: It's also, yeah, it also builds upon a relationship with, uh, Elena as well.
1: Um, not even so much that. I would say it really starts building into Nathan's obsession with treasure. This is, like I said, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, this is the first time in the series we see Nathan be completely unable to let go of the treasure. You know, in Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 2... He he both has a moment he has a moment in both those games where he's willing to like kind of drop the treasure for the quote, you know, greater good or whatever, but then you know something winds up roping him back in. This is the one where we see the obsessive trait of of Nate that that, that started in two really take a hold of him in three. And this time it's not just about proving himself. I mean I mean it's still that's still the core of it for, for Nate. Um, but it's also, you know, it's not just, like, proving myself by becoming some hero that saves everyone around me, or being better than the people who betrayed me. It's it's also, like, I have to beat this woman in particular, and I have to beat this treasure, or or, or get to this treasure before her. You know, this treasure is what's going to bring me glory. And, you know, it's it's really... Yes, Nate and Sully's relationship is explored. Yes, Nate and Elena's relationship is explored. But what's explored, I think, the most is Nate's realization that these relationships are part of what make him great and give him a great life. And and you know he he doesn't need to prove himself to these people because they already love and care about him. And and that is for me a very powerful like. Message the more that you sit down and, and think about it.
0: See that that this is why I kind of brought you on because, at, I, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I'm still a fresh face to the Uncharted series. Where whereas with you, you've clearly spent enough time with the series that you've thought you've thought of and analyzed like the, the characters, their relations, the stories, uh, what what they involve and, st- and stuff like that. And I think, yeah, it just because uh, because Speaking with you, I, I'm definitely with, with with you. How we're discussing the series, it's like I'm really starting. It's really having me go back to my mind and think about like the four games and just starting to pick up all the details that I didn't, I, uh, I missed out on. You know, because I was on the first time, it was on the first playthrough, and you know, I've I've gone back and done like subsequent play playthroughs since. So,
1: yeah, and and that's the thing is for me, it just came down to like I was trying to figure out like why is the series so great? Because I've seen action movies. Like if I want to see Nathan, if I want to see an action hero fall out of a plane, I can watch mission impossible fallout. And that was also a really fun movie. It was great, but it doesn't hold as much weight for me as uncharted and figuring out like why, you know, what makes uncharted special for me over all these other action franchises. It's not like Indiana Jones is the only action franchise that's ever existed. Um, but there's a, <laughs> right, right. Um, but, but, but yeah, I mean, but even then it's not the only one in that genre and it's, and, and but, but what makes it stand out among the other ones in that genre? I think, again, it's that, the element of it being a series where the characters develop in ways that feel natural and don't. And, and also have their own little hidden meanings where we relate to it a lot more for different reasons. I mean, I think we all hit those those moments in our lives where we want to prove ourselves. We want to, you know, do something with our lives that's substantial. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're, you know, it's actually a good, good thing that we have that drive. Um, but that drive can also um, blind us to, to what's, you know, kind of, kind of, some of the other things that are important in our lives and are right in front of us, uh, and that, and that's the thing is that Nathan's journey throughout the series is something that I think is very relatable to a lot of individuals, whether they, whether or not they, they themselves, you know, get shot and free, you know, free fall out of a plane or. You know, <laughs> navigate a train in the Himalayas. You know, if 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 they even if they don't quite go to those extremes, uh, they you can still relate to Nathan's character quite a bit. See this this goes back to where, or I said earlier, I don't have a, necessarily a favorite villain of of the the franchise or set of villains. I, I again, I think they fit the story very well, especially whenever uh, they you realize that this is a continuation of a the same like secret society cult that Francis Drake way back in the past had to like kind of deal with and which is why he deceived the Queen of England because you know like in the in the Uncharted series like she's part of this cult and a bunch of other people from like the the ancient or I shouldn't say ancient historical like British Empire uh were were associated with and this, so this is a continuation for me that's it's a very interesting uh group of people to deal with i mean they're we...
0: definitely they're definitely a manipulative pair marlo and tala because there are a lot of sequences on, in uncharted 3 where at various intervals cuz it is explained later but like nathan drake just starts hallucinating and he's hearing all these voices in, in his head that are basically trying to make him uh, doubt himself and his relations with the other characters. Yeah, what what do you think about those parts? Um, I mean, it was
1: unique. I mean, uh, it was it's funny because um, that was when for 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 me personally, whenever I, I played through the series, uh, I had also recently played through like like. I went through a kind of big phase where a lot of my gaming up until like uh, again like that that I don't know I I would say freshman year of high school was pretty much like Nintendo you know Mario and, and uh, you know like some like movie game spinoffs or whatever right but like like nothing nothing too serious as far or at least not like super what I would consider um, mainstream apart from or at least within the within the terms of gaming like uncharted is like definitely mainstream i would say at this point but it was it was only mainstream within the realm of gaming while like mario's kind of like a household name whether you're a gamer or not Yes, and the reason I, I I go back to particularly that freshman year is the other big game series I got involved with at that time uh, was Batman Arkham, which if you'll remember, they did the same deal where your protagonist hallucinates some really cr- I mean. He, he Batman goes like hallucinates in like every single one of those games. Like it's amazing. I, I Bruce Wayne would never be able to to pass a drug test at this point. I'm fairly positive. Um and and it's because it's very you know the video game. It's one thing to be in a movie and see a character hallucinating or see the hallucinations of a character. It's another to play in a hallucination where it really you know puts you in the shoes of the the protagonist as you know for lack of better terms they're tripping balls. <laughs> so and yes, yeah, so Uncharted whenever it did that because I I mean I'm I'm coming fresh off the Arkham games. I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> you know, that's that's a nice that's a nice touch. I mean, I mean, I don't foresee or necessarily want every game to be doing like a hey, let's make our our character trip on acid scene, but I mean, if if it works within the story like it did for Arkham or it did an Uncharted three, then then by all means, those are very effective sequences. I think.
0: Well, what, one thing I do like regarding the characters is the uh, the introduction of... I forget the guy's name, but he, he's a guy looks like Jason Statham. Sounds like him. Yeah, Charlie Cutter. I, I really like that guy. And uh, I will say this, much like with how, you know, Sully kind of disappeared early on in Uncharted sue's story, and for the better, I'd argue. I, I, I'm glad that, like, uh, Chloe and... Charlie, they didn't show up later on in Uncharted 3's Uncharted story, because again we're, we're again focusing on uh, you know Nathan Sully, and to bring and to bring those two back, be like, oh we we heard you in trouble, Nate, so we came to help you out. It's like, no, they're they're good, they're good. And besides, uh, Chloe gets to go on her own adventure later, which we'll discuss.
1: Well. The- I will say this in, to to compare like the Sully exit and the Charlie and and Chloe exit in three. Um, keep in mind, I I, I agree that Sully the way he exited and didn't you know he didn't didn't show up that was good for the story of two. I just what I said earlier was I wish we could have gotten more of Sully. Like it's one thing to go like okay I only got like a couple missions with Sully. Well, at least Charlie and Chloe they even though they eventually do exit, I do feel like we get to spend a decent amount of time with them in the story. Like, I mean, cause I'm trying to think they are, even if you're, they're not in every level of the game of of that, those first like nine, ten missions or whatever, they are, you know, you know, they're on Nathan's side, you know, even if they're not present, you know, they're, you they know, that they're still actively working with him even in, you know, in the background or something. Um, so, you know, that's where that's where I, w- I would like to make that distinction to clear from my earlier comments and, and agree with furthermore on you uh with you on this is like, yeah, they did a good job of like giving us some good time to help us enjoy those characters and, you know, let Nate spend some time with them. And then after we got, a, I would say, a little bit more appropriate amount of time than we got with Sully into, you know, then having them exit. So Nate and Sully's you know that being the core of the story get more focus uh it was it was better played than i thought in three and plus charlie had so many fun moments already in three by the time he exited with you know you figure out he's claustrophobic and then you get that cool like he gets you know hallucinated
0: and you know yeah yeah he's he's fighting out they're trying to keep him under, under control yeah, I I really, really like that bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. So so yeah. No, I I thought they did more with a little bit more time, but also even with kind of a maybe. I did, I Sully's in two missions of two, and I forget exactly how many are you know with Chloe and and Cutter and and three.
0: It's like again, the f- it's like the first four or five chapters of, of the game, if knowledge serves me right. Something well, like that
1: because they're they're with him in London. And, you know, during the whole London sequence. And so, like, we get a decent amount of time with them there. Yeah, and, and then, then they, go, they, and then they, then split, they up. split up. Yeah, and then that's where, then like, that... I think that was level six and seven, if I remember right, was was uh, Nate and Sully go off on their own. And then eight and nine, uh, they reunite with, with Chloe and Cutter
0: uh, in um, Syria. so Which, uh, you know, think about it. I don't know. I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but I, I noticed some, um, some shall we say, because I know a lot of people when they discuss Uncharted, like, oh, this is Indiana Jones for a video game, but I think that with with Uncharted three, I don't know about you, but did you pick up on? I know some sort of like uh, similarities to some s- stuff from the Mummy. Uh,
1: yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Yeah, I mean, especially well, yeah, just uh, yeah, with the the setting,
0: like. Yeah, because a lot of it for well, I mean, for one, a lot of it is set in the desert. But two, the the characters are looking for a, a lost a lost city in the desert that supposedly contains this, this valuable treasure. But it actually, turns out it har- it harbors this evil that will bring the destruction of po- destruction of the world if it is released. Although in our charge 3's case, it's not it's not an evil mummy. Although I thought they were imply that it's not an evil mummy. It, it's it's this hallucinogenic stuff. More or less there's uh well, there's it, was, recur- it was demons i if I remember right, yeah, demons, yeah, but but long story short don't don't drink the water at this city uh and then, <laughs> and then also there's there's the uh there's the uh recurring creepy crawlies because the mummy had the beetles and Uncharted and on chart three has the spiders, which you encounter a lot, and then and then finally, uh towards the tail end when Nathan ends up in the desert he's he's helped out by this uh. Mil, uh, what's the uh, Middle Eastern guy's name? He's um, like a nomad. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, why am I blanking on him? Um, I know, I know who you're talking about. I don't know why I'm blanking on the name. Off yeah, off the I, I can't
0: think of his name either. But yeah, but similar to like, are are the Arthur Bay from from the Mummy movie? Uh, th- this guy, he's basically ensuring that you know nobody finds the uh, the lost city. And then, and then at the end, the lost city uh is is destroyed via uh, like a trigger or, or something, similar to how, how uh the uh, lost city and the mummy is destroyed, ensuring that the evil that was uh, at this place is is never found. Right.
1: Well, even even um Nathan Drake's uh, character model, like whenever he's in the desert, is 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 pretty you know the 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 Middle Eastern scarf and the you know like tan. Uh, Hand shirt and khakis.
0: Yeah, yeah, it looks just. Yeah, he's, look, he's looking like uh, Brendan Fraser's character yeah. from the Mummy, and it's yeah, funny. No. I, I, uh, I'm on Reddit and I follow the uh, Uncharted subreddit. And <laughs> I, I, I posted, I posted a meme there. It, you know, it was a picture. It was a picture of Nate uh, Brendan Fraser just get up from the Mummy, and it was like go to tell my kids this was Nathan Drake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm curious how many uh, reactions you get to that. Oh, it, it, it was it was. It was popular. It was upvote like six hundred upvotes. Hey, it's not bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Go, uh, go follow me on Reddit. Uh, username: It's William Dude. I actually uh, don't have a Reddit. I
1: just, I just browse
0: on it sometimes. You're, it's okay. You're, you're, you're not missing out. It's just a lot of memes. But, but, but that's anyhow, what I, that's uh, what I like it for. <laughs> and it, yeah, but, uh, but, but anyhow, and the other, the other thing is like going back to uh, Uncharted Indiana Jones connection. The uh the part in Uncharted Three where you're where we're on horseback chasing the enemy, chasing the bad guys is very much reminiscent of the section in the Last Crusade where yeah, where Indiana Jones team up with the people who are protecting the Grail, you know, chasing after the Nazis and trying to stop them from trying to reach the Grail site. Which which by the way, I I love that horseback sequence in Uncharted Three. That was awesome.
1: Right. Well, it- is there, there are kind of a couple different ones. I'm assuming though you mean the the big convoy mission. Yeah, the big where, convoy Where like, you're one. like you're hopping from like the horse to the the truck, the big, and then you're like you're yeah. taking out like motorcycles. Other you'll vehicles. hop back onto the. Yeah, that's that's a oh yeah that's a really cool sequence. Uh, it, that's that's weirdly one I feel like in this series is like Uncharted two. I feel like I'll, I see a lot of people refer to the the big convoy on the snowy mountain. You know that take place right after the train, of course, everybody loves the convoy sequence in four. You know that's kind of most people's like standout sequence for, if if not if if not the whole series, uh, definitely for itself. Um, but but yeah, I feel like three's definitely holds its own uh, within like you know the the I guess the long trend of of uncharted convoy missions uh but yeah it doesn't get as much attention as as, as those other two
0: well uh move, moving on to the gameplay really the ga- i'd say uh, as far as the gameplay goes it's uh it's an incremental improvement over two's gameplay i'd say by and large it's about the same there's a little bit more a little bit more of a nuance in combat but but by and large yeah it's it's relatively unchanged which which isn't a bad thing
1: no no not at all it's um i mean. I think sometimes because I know I know some people got really frustrated at 3 like 3 seems to be the most polarizing of the series in my discussions like online with people like 3 is either one that like most people really love or or people view as one of the weakest entries in the series. I tend to be more on the the category of love it and and on for the most part think it's uh better than 2 but in and again like you said earlier incremental ways it's not like it's vastly superior to 2. In, in the ways that like two was vastly superior to one um but um i did i do feel like three does a better job at making the core like gameplay gunplay feel a little bit more faster paced uh and that's you know because like uncharted two we talked about earlier the set pieces but i don't particularly think too many people um, beyond again, what we kind of d- discussed about earlier with the variety of, of, of gameplay play options for you and your, your kind of basic generic fights. I felt like three did a better job at making me enjoy those fights a little bit more and, um, you no, know, you know, no matter what, you know, two, it was the variety that I enjoyed. Three. I have that variety still, but it also made stealth feel a little bit more like natural it also made uh or by by as by natural what i mean is like um maybe realistic in terms of like how enemies would see you or how you could like approach the enemies uh you know the this, this stealth felt a lot less scripted in in a lot of segments of three for me as well as two or two's gunplay i don't know how to describe it it doesn't feel slow but threes felt like I'm sprinting (laughs) where if if I'm, if I'm running into like three Nathan Drake, I felt like he's like sprinting and uh, you know, he's like, if you know, somebody throws a grenade, you know, in two, I, I press circle and I roll in three, I make the quick decision. Do I throw the grenade back or do I roll or do I like hop my cover? Uh, You know, I felt like I I would do a lot more, quick thinking on my feet, and as a result, it made Nathan Drake feel quicker as, like, a character, as an action hero, you know, however you want to define him.
0: Yeah, de- definitely, definitely think about, back at all, oh, excuse me, definitely look at the combat again for 3, and, you know, discuss it. It's definitely more, it's definitely more fast-paced and active. I'd say it's more, three's combat is more in line with 4's than 1 and 2's, because it does, uh, three's combat encourages you to be fast, mobile, and aggressive against the opposition. Now, Grant, the trade-off is that I i definitely think that Nathan Drake is a bit more fragile in 3 compared to the other games in the series. E- even 4, he, he's a bit more fragile, because I died my fair share of times in 3, and I, and I was just playing on normal. Right.
1: Yeah, he, he's... Uh, I definitely said the games got harder as time goes on. And I'm not sure, and I'm not yeah, I think that is a good thing. I'm not sure if that was because like the a i got smarter because I mean I noticed especially in like three compared to two definitely four, dear Lord, uh you know like the enemies like get better at flanking you and and you know where where two you could kind of like tunnel them into an area and just light them all up if you needed to um three the areas were a lot more open. And they're coming up around my sides and stuff a lot more, and like, um, oh yeah,
0: they're, they're they're definitely more they're definitely more smarter and aggressive. Uh, dynamic and is
1: what I would just define yeah, it di- as. Dynamic. And oh man, like, and and that's that. I think that plays back to like again. It feels quicker. I don't know how else
0: to define
1: that. Yeah, um, he does.
0: But, Nathan Drake does move quicker. I, I I noticed that his movement is a lot more quicker pace,
1: and and not just his movement but his like again like the way i'm having to constantly react to things and like go back to the grenade example i could throw the grenade at you know at, at, at times if uh the situation called for it uh you know and that's a very quick split second decision and going back to if somebody ambushes me uh which happened quite a bit in, in three well then i'm like crap you know do i shoot do i like Because, you know, most of the time if they ambush me, they're in relatively close proximity. Do I try to move in for a melee kill and save on ammo? Uh, And normally, I mean, I'm a big proponent of if I can melee, melee, because uh, I find the melee very cinematic in in the Uncharted games, and I I like that that tone of the games as as a whole, as I've already discussed. So, yeah, whenever I, I could melee, I would. I found myself doing a lot more melee- Combos and and you know like, uh, like say three introduces the the mechanic where you can like dive bomb like off a you know like off a roof and like land on somebody. Yeah, I did I did that I did that qu- uh, whenever I could in three and four. Of course, really perfects it to where it's actually a lot less rare to pull off and and more of a, a common tactic. Um, uh, oh man, <laughs> three like three it
0: yeah. I like how one one detail I, I love about the combat in three is that if you if you time your melee right, you can actually just when you knock the guy out, you, you steal his gun right from his hands.
1: Yes, that was a great addition as well, is if you were like low on ammo or whatever. Yeah, that I I sometimes caught myself purposely losing ammo, but you know, like not trying to play conservatively for so that way i could like enjoy those moments because you can absolutely if you play through the whole game um pretty much go through the whole game without ever encountering a moment like that and and uh, that's that's no fun <laughs> you know definitely like push the game to its limits uh especially in three because there's a lot of like little hidden details like that where uh, again the the combat feels more dynamic because of it
0: what are your thoughts on the puzzles? Because I think three has the hardest puzzles.
1: Yeah, that's uh,
0: the remember, the tile remember what
1: I yeah the tile the the one in the uh, the knight's tomb where you're uh, having to figure out the the placement of the the tiles on the uh, yeah that was the one that uh, if I referenced earlier that was the one that messed with me for like an hour because I I could not tell exactly. I mean, I knew I how to get the tiles in a certain right position, but I didn't realize I had to look at the other tombs around me to figure out what those placements were. And even whenever I did figure that out, because, like, not all the, the tombs directly tell you, it was like, some of the tombs you have to, like, kind of guess, it threw me for a, a loop. I figu- I really didn't figure that puzzle out, honestly, until my second playthrough, and then, I, then like, I cl- it, it really clicked, and I was like, oh, okay. Most of the other puzzles, I don't think I remember having any any issues with, but that one sticks out in my mind as just being an absolute pain to figure out.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that one was a tough one, and I, I'll oh, admit, I I did cave and Was like, I already figured out this puzzle.
1: I think the game told me after that hour was up or thirty minutes or however long it was. Like, I think I think the game eventually was like, all right, just here's the answer. And then, and again, that's why I figured it out more on the, sub, the the second time I played through because then I was like, all right, I kind of remember what the answer is, but I want to actually like figure this out. And so once I knew what I was working towards, you know, it's kind of like working a math problem in reverse, right? You know, once you know what the answer is, now you have to figure out like, why is this the answer? That's, that's what happened for me. And, and, you know, then again, I felt like a big dum-dum afterwards where I was like, oh my gosh, I should have seen this way sooner. But it's it's different whenever it's the first time approaching that situation.
0: <laughs> so now, you mentioned that your favorite set piece of all the games is the plane sequence. Yes. Why so?
1: Um, different, Multiple different reasons. I mean, 3 was the first one that I owned and played, actually. Because whenever I got the series, or got with PS3, I got mine with a copy of Uncharted Three. It was like a, like a birthday gift or whatever. Uh, it was that PS Three? And you know, it was bundled with Uncharted Three. And again, I'd already seen this core stories of, of the games on YouTube. So uh, while I was waiting for the other two to like ship and arrive over, um, and I think I'm, I'm trying to remember the timeline on this. I think I might have played one already at a uh, at my cousin's house because that's that's definitely a short one. You mean you can play through it pretty quickly. I think I I think I did that one, but 3 was the first one I played uh, at you know, at my house and you know, on my own time um uh, and with my own PS3 um uh, and so you know, 3 kind of has a little bit of a special place in my heart for those reasons. Uh as well as the fact that th- the plane sequence was what I once saw in all the promos as well, you know, it was that is definitely the highlight of, of three set pieces. And I'll never forget one of the promos. We've been making all the Indiana Jones references, and this is one of my favorite facets of, of Uncharted Like promotion. Um, during Uncharted 3's promotion, I think it was for a Japanese or a foreign... It, was, it, it, was, it wasn't for like a standard promotion, but they actually... Naughty Dog got uh, Harrison Ford... To play part of the game, yes, yeah, yes, they got Harrison Ford to play the game, and the segment they gave him to play was the plane sequence from Uncharted Three, and you know Harrison Ford, he's a, he's a pretty, um, yeah, <laughs> i should trying to figure out the best way to say that, yeah, he he's not someone who's easy to impress. Um, and, uh, whenever I saw him playing that plane sequence and he just had this kind of like big ol' like smile on his face and he seemed like also a little bit stunned. Like he was like, wow, this is in a game. Um, and he just was like soaked into it for those like five, ten minutes or whatever. Like that's whenever I knew, um, so I think again, I got all that before I actually got my hands on the game itself. That's whenever I knew, like, this is a special series. It can make it can make even Harrison Ford have a smile on his face, <laughs> and I mean, it's 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 Indiana Jones himself, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like
0: <laughs> Indiana Jones approves of Uncharted. Exactly. Like, it's funny. It's like, yeah, I do. I and another thing going back to Uncharted three, I do remember as as part of their marketing. It's like okay, they did that with Harrison Ford in, in Japan, but back in America, I I remember there was there was a subway tie in with Uncharted Three. Yeah, yeah, and they I did remember that too. there were commercials where they they did the plane scene, but it's like Nathan Drake is holding on, he's also holding on to a subway um, sandwich. Subway sandwich. <laughs> yeah,
1: I remember, there, I remember that one too.
0: Where I, there we go. That's the plot for Uncharted Five. Uncharted Five and the Lost City of Subway. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh...
1: So yeah, no, I, I definitely remember the the playing sequence from the promos and you know that kind of soaked me in. I remember it being from the game, that was my first one, and then just on top of that, like, if you look at that sequence, it, it's, it definitely pulls, kind of what I said earlier before Uncharted 4 did it, the, the perfection of scripted gameplay that, like, you're kind, yeah, you know, you're in control of, but man, like, uh, it's technically still fully scripted. You just don't register it as it's going on. You know, like the first time you play that sequence, you're like, Oh my gosh, did I screw up? Wait, no, he, that I think this is supposed to happen. And you're just drastically like trying to climb back onto the plane. And, you know, then you get in a shootout and stuff, you know, there's, there's that element of, you don't know. It's, it's hard to tell the first time where the script is occurring versus where you as the game player are affecting it. And uh, man, that that is very well done.
0: I I like the plane sequence, but actually, I prefer the, the sequence after where Nathan has wandered the desert.
1: That's a very good sequence as well. Obviously, not as action packed, but it's yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's, as it's, memorable. It's
0: more, yeah, it's more it's more intimate. It's it's your your there's no shooting, there's no combat. It's just simple. It's a it's a simple but effective mixture of gameplay gameplay and storytelling, just guiding the character through the desert as he's thinking about how he ended up here before he eventually finds the uh the abandoned desert town, which he thinks is abandoned but is actually filled with bad guys and it, it it's funny, it's like, yeah, I remember seeing another meme who's like he spends three days looking for any signs of water, snaps into it upon seeing the first bad guy. <laughs> Right.
1: Yeah, I definitely I would have I remember telling I think my dad once whenever he saw me playing that sequence and I was like, you know what would have been cool because I'd already kind of done it previously with the hallucination sequence, uh, is like like ha not not necessarily have it be a hallucination, but like have the effects of his dehydration and everything like play a factor into that fight, like not 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 have the fight be a hallucination in itself, but have that that kind of gameplay element of like he's not all with it, you know. But this time he's in a fight that would have been kind of cool. But I also would have maybe seen where the the decision would have been made out of fear of like making it a too frustrating sequence. I mean that 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 becomes a lot harder sequence to balance out. So I, it's 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 hard to remove the, like the narrative of like, okay, this guy is, uh, you know, physically like completely like almost exhausted and dehydrated, uh, from the fact that, you know, like you said, he snaps into it and starts killing a bunch of bad guys. I'm not sure. Maybe it would have been better if, you know, we saw those effects. Maybe it would have just caused like a cursed, very frustrating level in the game. Who knows? Uh, the fact of the matter is the fact that most people don't seem, seem to at least hate that level means they at least made the safe bet. Final thoughts on Uncharted 3? Um, I mean, like I, like I said, it's hard for me to be completely subjective about this one in particular, because it was the first one I, I got in my hands as my own copy, but it's, uh, it's, it's a good one. And I, I, distinctly, I distinctly believe it kind of gets the bad rap of the series. Like I said, it's the most polarizing. Um, but I, I, I think once you start breaking down what is definitely the most, I would say, especially of the original PS3 titles, the most complex story. Um, and and as, a, as a result, sometimes it's not as um, tightly told as Uncharted 2 was, but but the ambition that, that Uncharted 3 has uh, not only, I think, fits the kind of theme of the game, right? He's becoming more obsessed with, with this glory and this treasure, uh, but it also, um, I think, does service and become a better sequel to 2, if not in the same measure of, of 2 did to 1.
0: Yeah, yeah. Th- thinking back on Uncharted 3, I would have to say it it doesn't surpass 2. I would say it's about as good as 2.
1: Yeah, that's that's also a pretty fair call. I mean, again, it doesn't it's 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 incremental and in it's and it's uh, advancements, so it doesn't like have that like right. boost factor for it, but I mean, it's the people who I would say who tend to hate it or or argue that it was a disappointment are either I think overhyping 2 or just looking for an excuse to hate 3. Like I I there's there's in no way a for me personally, a, a argument that this is a fundamentally terribly worse game than two.
0: Yeah, it's 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 it, it's not it. I think where I think if if I'd say one area where uh three has the advantage over two is that yeah it it does take the time and effort to try explore Nathan Drake as a character and also basically. Bring his character arc to to a close because you know at the end him Sully and Elena you know walk but more or less walk off to the sunset and had had they had they stopped the series there you know not done four I think it would have been a perfectly solid way to to have ended the series.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, for the longest there because Naughty Dog didn't move on to another Uncharted game after three, they moved on to to uh, publish The Last of Us uh, for the longest, we weren't even sure would we get another Uncharted game until four was announced. And, And yeah, I remember kind of being like disappointed in the terms of like, man, I would love more Uncharted games, but I definitely was not disappointed in three's ending being the potential end of the series.
0: Well, before we move on to Uncharted 4, I just want to take a quick detour into handheld territory because you have played the Vita prequel, uh, Uncharted Uncharted Lost Legacy. Just to, just to quickly summarize because this is actually, no, actually no, turned no, out the Lost being, like Le- the episode. Sorry, uh, yeah, just, Golden Abyss was the, the Go- prequel. Golden Abyss. Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. Lost Legacy is the PS4 uh, one. Yeah, the epilogue
1: um, sequel, whatever you want to call it.
0: yeah. Uh, just uh, because this is a pretty lengthy discussion, just to uh, quickly summarize your thoughts on Golden Abyss for the Vita. I assume it's you know Uncharted on the Vita,
1: right? Yeah, that's, that's that's essentially it. If you like the Uncharted series, it's definitely I mean, and and you're you know willing to if willing to or already own a Vita, uh, you know, it's definitely a must buy. It's without a doubt probably my favorite title on the on the Vita, and it's it's sad uh 2 because i th- i felt like golden abyss really showed the hardware potential for the vita uh and and to be honest the the hardware in the vita was really ahead of its time i mean it it in terms of putting out a like triple a quality title um i mean it it's uncharted golden abyss feels pretty darn close to uh the main series uh, but, but on handheld and, and in reality, I mean, the, the Vita doesn't feel too far off whenever I play that game from the Switch, which, of course, you know, is definitely the most popular mobile mobile device uh, gameplay for gaming. And, and yeah, the, the, it was actually a different team that did Uncharted uh, Golden Bist. You can kind of tell in terms of writing, um, just in, more so in terms of dialogue um not so much plots or maybe a little bit in plot structure um but but overall it's a very solid title that um you know it's it's almost I would still argue it's actually fairly important to Nathan Drake's character development because this is the it's really the story about um you know cuz we've seen the flashbacks of 3 and 4 when you know he he you know he's already you know kind of from a young age already had like this devotion to treasure hunting you know he was always going to head down that path but uh you know uncharted drake's fortune is what we take as being like the first time he starts going for like treasure out of what we would consider like i guess like a personal significance or whatever right gold abyss fits in that perfect uh loop between those flashbacks where we see like this is you know where he has like development of personal, uh, you know, treasure hunting growth and, and then Drake's fortune where he, he has, you know, actually starts doing it. Golden Abyss kind of starts answering that question of like, why did he wait till then? Because Golden Abyss is whenever he starts, he's on a job, regular, you know, treasure hunting gig, uh, like, you know, he and Sully have, you know, constantly referenced in, in previous series, uh, series and, uh, discussions, Um, and kind of like how he, you know, wasn't too, but golden abyss, he meets the, you know, the love interest in that game, who is absolutely passionate about the particular treasure in, in, in that game. Um, and you know, you kind of see how it, it, it invites and sparks and Drake that like, okay, this is why I got into this to begin with. And, and that was, that was a really cool facet of his character development that like for not being considered one of the main entries, I was like, this kind of should be viewed as one of the main entries in the series. It just isn't because of it being held on a handheld. Uh, but again, which, which is sad for both the Vita in terms of it never really went anywhere with that type of hardware. And, and also in terms of the, the Uncharted series with it, not getting as much recognition because of, of that.
0: So, so basically what you're saying is Golden Abyss is worth playing. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, it's... Uh, as someone who got the Vita and got a few titles expecting um, more AAA quality like that, which unfortunately never happened, I would still say the Vita wound up being worth my purchase and at least the amount of time I spent playing Golden Abyss and a few of the other titles uh, that released around the launch of the Vita. Yeah. Um, but but Golden Abyss, without a doubt, was my favorite game on that that console.
0: Yeah, because it's funny. My my co host slash friend Matt, he has a Vita. And I told him like, well, you have a Vita. Why, why don't you play Golden Abyss? And he's like, I'm not interested in Uncharted because you brought up your your story with Uncharted three. Well, he he too got PS three for Christmas in like 2011 2012. And I believe it was it was the bundle that came with the uh, Uncharted three, and the thing was he he never touched it. Man, that is that hurts me. That just
1: hurts my heart right there to hear.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, his, his, I mean, his gaming tastes are a bit more skewed to like niche stuff that the mainstream stuff. But still, it's like you know, I tell I you know I just casually, just tell like give give the series a chance. He's like, eh, I'm not that interested. It's like, well, this is why you're on. <laughs> after that detour into the handheld territory with Golden Abyss, it's time to focus our sights back on consoles with Uncharted four, a Thief's End. So Uncharted Three, it more it more or less capped off the story of Nathan Drake. But you know, there there are a handful of us or or people like you who are like, what if what if some something happened to Nathan Drake that leered him back into treasure hunting one last time? And in Night Dog's case they are like, well, what we well, have, a brother, that was never mentioned before in the past, is now is now conveniently mentioned, brought brought up for this fourth game, and after many 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 years, they reunite, and Sam is like, "Hey, want want to go look for some uh, pirate treasure?"
1: Right? Yeah. For whatever I first heard about it, I mean, obviously I was hyped, but I I also kind of fell in the same boat of the the questions you brought up about the brother and I'm like, uh, that's interesting. Um I I I came around to it once I saw it within the context of the story. Um they I mean they did they did a, for as far as I guess what I mean I guess you would consider this a retcon of of some form, right? As far as retcons go, they did a really good job of kind of writing around the fact that we hadn't heard or seen you know, this guy's brother before. Um, and also this is where I'd for I, I reference earlier, like Amy Henning, this was the one Uncharted that she did not, uh, complete the production of. And, and there was that whole debacle about whether she was fired or kicked out of Naughty Dog or, you know, no one's really actually knows what, what happened there, I guess, beyond the people in Naughty Dog. And, but, but i I do remember the brother storyline was one of the things that even she brought in. And so I think that's why that worked so well is because like, I think she had some different takes on it. Like I, I think he wasn't supposed to realize he had a brother or, okay. or something along those that lines. Was,
0: that would have made a little bit more sense. Uh, given the context of the games that yeah, if it turns out he had a brother because you know, Nathan's an orphan orphan. So therefore they could have been separated at a really young age.
1: But the the brother, I think, was also supposed to be kind of more of an antagonist in, in Amy Hennings' version. Now, again, this is kind of like there's not like a bunch of um, like concrete, like firm, official statements on 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 this because of the the whole mystery surrounding that debacle. Um, but I think for what for whatever drama occurred, however, to whatever degree it did, I think they came out with a really just knockout game for both closing the series and being definitely at that time the the main reason to get a PlayStation Four. Like that was the exclusive, without a doubt.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's it's like history repeating itself. It was like the original Uncharted. It was the reason to get a PS3, and now. Uncharted 4 this is the reason to get a PS4. And you can definitely tell that new people are handling the, are, are, are handling the game, because it was, it was co-directed by two people, one of whom was Neil Druckmann, who prior to that directed The Last of Us. And he was also can,
1: involved in Uncharted 2, actually. Okay. I, I believe. Okay. I, I believe. I mean, he didn't... Amy Hitting wrote it, but I believe it was Druckmann and um, not Haley Gross. She did Last of Us 2. Um, who's the other guy um, I'm thinking of? Yeah, it, he, him and his Last of Us Part 1 buddy. I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head. Um, yeah, they were actually pretty heavily involved. And I think the other guy whose name is for, uh, eluding me, I think he was actually the director of 2. You didn't write it. He didn't write it like, like they did more so with, with 4. But they were already pretty heavily involved in the series. It wasn't like they just came on from Last of Us, because I remember a lot of people were all like, well, crap, now that Amy Henning's gone, and, you know, they're taking over, it's just gonna, like, get super dark and depressing. Yeah, it's gonna, and... it's
0: gonna be, a it's gonna be Uncharted, Uncharted 4, more like Uncharted 4. Yeah, and, like,
1: you know, I was like, that's, that's not, yeah, it's not at all. And it was, again, just because they they were involved in the series before that happened.
0: Yeah, because it was like, going to Uncharted 4, I really didn't know what to expect, but what I, I noticed, going back to, you know, it's different people hel- helming the ship, is like, whereas the first three had a nice balance of, like, cinematics and gameplay with 4, there's definitely more time spent with cutscenes than gameplay. Because the cutscenes are, the cutscenes are longer, and the the gameplay the, the gameplay is there, but it doesn't really the gameplay doesn't really come into its own until like a, a few chapters in. It's with the early early chapters, it's sort of like leading us on to what to expect, and then once you get to Italy, is that the location? Yeah, yeah Italy. Yeah,
1: well, Italy is whenever Nathan Drake in the present starts doing more. Uh, or not, I guess not in the present but like it, it chronologically in that in the in the story as you know beginning to like get back into the adventure role
0: yeah just uh before we continue to, to provide a uh, summarization of of the story yes i'm providing the summary this time because i beat the game yesterday uh uncharted 4 is set some odd years or so after Events of Three, uh, Nathan and Elena are happily married and Nathan has a job as a salvager for a salvaging company. All is well until one day, out of the blue, his, his brother, Sam, re-enters frame. In the past, uh, Nathan and Sam were brothers. They went on their various little adventures because Sam was... how 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 much older is Sam supposed to be than Nate? Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Because, yeah, Sam was the older brother, and thus he was a bit more of a troublemaker. Yeah, so basically, it's, it's so those two, you know, they, they were both in an orphanage, because their, their parents at one point were were explorers, and that motivated them to want to do the same. But at some point, they died, and now they live in an orphanage, or at least Nate is, because uh, Sam, Sam is out on his own be, being a rebel. And then uh, eventually they, uh, Sam, Sam breaks his brother Nathan out. They uh, go back to, they go to this house uh, to find some belongings of their parents. They get caught by this old lady who who lives in the house. She, she dies and they narrowly escape the cops. And And when they realize they're on their own, Sam is like, you know, we don't have to be stuck in the orphanage. We can, we can be whoever we want to be. So they decide to become uh explorers, like their parents, although in their case their uh their adventures and whatnot tend to land them in prison and it's while in prison they uh they meet they meet this one guy rafe, and the three of them are are, are working together and uh they they learn that there's uh you're going you have to help me here they basically learn that there's this pirate named Avery. yeah well, well... he
1: to, to clarify earlier because she had said they met Ray from prison they actually didn't meet Ray from prison they yeah they met him earlier and then purposely got themselves in prison because they were already pursuing the Henry Avery's treasure um cuz Henry Avery was you know some pirate that had like uh you know like gotten away with like a massive uh uh
0: treasure of, of like you know like from like his his victims uh, yes, and, and they and, and they, they put like, it they, let's find it. <laughs> yeah, and that that's that's what happens, but however, uh one thing leads to another and there there's a there's a prison break and while Nathan Nathan and Rafe get away. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, both of them get
1: away, Sam doesn't.
0: Sam 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 is caught and he's stuck in jail. So you're well, cast... not just stuck
1: in jail, he was assumed dead too, because Yeah, because he'd been he'd been shot. Whenever he got recaptured, it's like,
0: okay, well, he's he's gone. But basically, one thing leads to another. Uh, the two brothers are reunite, and Sam is like, hey, let's go, let's continue our search for this treasure. But also because I am totally in debt to this guy who's out for me, and if I don't find this treasure for him, he's going to kill me. So please, Nate, do this for me. And Nate is like, okay. And they set off, and many... Many hijinks ensue, and it may turn out that oh yeah, that whole thing about there's a uh, he has to collect payment for this guy Alvarez might not actually be true.
1: Right. Yeah, that was that was the one plot twist that actually really surprised me above most of the others in the series was Sam not being in debt to that guy, and or even if it was, or even if he was not in debt to the guy, the fact that he had actually been working with.
0: Rafe beforehand. Um, I knew, you know, because Rafe is who got him out of prison. Yeah, yeah, I knew something had to be up with the whole Albert resting because the whole time when when they're out in like Madagascar, I'm like, okay, at some point Albert is going to show up, and I just start thinking, what if it turns out he's actually just lying? And it's like, oh yeah, he he is lying. Yeah, I, I kept on going, like, for,
1: for being the, the pivotal crux upon which this story kind of resides, he definitely has not shown up or been a pivotal part of the story up for most of this time. So figuring out that he was actually dead the whole time was um, a good way to... Because had he been present, and then it took him all the way into, like, the last act to show up, I I might have had more issues with that story.
0: That Yeah, that would have been, like, dumb. Just... That's the lightweight opponent again. Which, uh, by the way, uh, before we continue, speaking of villains who look like famous people, did it ever occur to you that Rafe looked a little bit like Jake Gyllenhaal?
1: It did not, actually, but I, I totally see that now that you've said it.
0: Yeah, the whole time I was thinking like, man, this, this, this guy, Rafe, he looks so much like Jake Gyllenhaal, it's, it's not even funny.
1: Yeah, I totally see that. He doesn't he doesn't
0: sound like him, but yeah, he
1: he does look like him.
0: Uh, I I'd say that like like three, there's a bit more focus on the characters, and what really actually four is about the characters.
1: Oh yeah, for for absolutely certain, and I, I do think four did a lot more in terms of gameplay. Um, uh, then you know, I mean, it it did it did a lot more of the kind of boost that we talked about from like one to two. You know, it, from three to four, like four plays very differently, or, or more naturally. Like, man, like the you could tell they learned a lot from Last of Us, bringing bringing their their experience of that into this game.
0: Yeah, go, going back to the story, what what did you think of it?
1: I mean, it's it's my favorite story game of the whole series. Um, I mean, I, I it means that it's the culmination of everything good about. The previous titles, right? I mean, it it takes the development of that, that obsession, that treasure, and you know, puts more focus on his relationships, uh, and all the all the other characters while also throwing in a, a whole brand new one that is that feels very pivotal. And you know, that's a very hard that's a very hard thing to do. Um to take a brand new character in a series that already has three entries, four if you count Golden Abyss and has not even referenced this character once until this this time, and then still manages to make him feel like a very natural part of the series, as if he'd had already been there. Like that was for me very impressive.
0: Um, but then I kind I kind of see it as going back to the Indiana Jones connections. I kind of see Uncharted Four as like the last crusade uh, of the series because it brings in this character that hadn't been discussed, had been discussed before, back to the. Uh, why, why in this case it's uh Nathan Drake's brother
1: right yeah instead of the father and yeah they they did a it's definitely the most emotional of the series for me um just in terms of of the relationships and then as well just like the fact that I mean you you, you pinned the the term earlier and I think the game did too you know this is one last time there's something about that that concept of of, of a one last time that it's like a graduation from uh, from you know school right you know whether you had a good experience or bad experience that's a that's a with with school you're it's an emotional thing because you know you're having to move on and do something new from from that point on and that's that can be sometimes a difficult process and that's the thing i think they leaned into that for both nathan drake's arc where he's having to really sit down and go like i can't do this anymore i got to yeah, I got to figure out something new to do with my life that's better and more productive and and whatnot. And also for the for the gamers, you know, this is the really the last main entry of the series. I mean, I don't particularly even count Lost Legacy as I consider Golden Abyss actually a, a more main entry than Lost Legacy because of, because of that that movement for for well, Drake's you know- character.
0: Speaking of Lost Legacy, which features uh, Nadine Ross, what what do you think of Nadine in, in Uncharted Four?
1: I liked her a lot more in Uncharted Four than I did Lost Legacy, actually. Um, so in Uncharted, I mean, in in literature, we we refer to dynamic characters and static characters, right? You know, the the dynamic characters are the ones that change; they tend to be your protagonist. Static characters are your Um, the ones that, that, that don't change and they, it's because they don't need to change, right? Like they, uh, they serve a certain role within your story. Now, Nadine, she served the role of the pragmatist. She is this character who really doesn't particularly care about her morals or how much she has to prove. She sees the job she sees the best way to get the job done and she accomplishes the job to the best of her ability and she is an absolutely ferocious villain in terms of you know a lot of people like like to go um you know she was so tough because you know she was capable of like taking on um you know Nathan and um Sam at the same time uh, she technically kind of got beat during that time because, you know, Sam got the gun on her. I mean, yeah, she's held her own because she's obviously very, you know, well-trained in the military, you know, combat. Uh, but what, what made her more dangerous for me was her, you know, Rafe was a lot more emotional. He had his ego and everything wrapped into the the treasure from the start. She, she didn't. She, for her, this is just a job. And, you know, help help anyone who stands in the way of her accomplishing that job. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but but and of course she has that change towards the end of the story, right? Right at the climax where she realizes maybe, maybe going through all this trouble to find Avery's treasure really isn't worth it because of all the man she sacrificed and whatnot, just to get there.
1: And that's actually, I would say that wasn't a change. That would be where I go back to. She's a static character, and she's in. She's meant to be a static character because she's what I, I defined her earlier as the pragmatist, right? She's doing the job to the best of her ability. She's not, you know, no muss, no fuss. But whenever she gets there to the treasure, you know, or closer to it, and she's beginning to see, like you said earlier, how many many men she's losing. She's also, at that time, making the pragmatic decision. She's the only one actually making the pragmatic decision from that point, right? Because Sam and Rafe are two sides of the same coin and being obsessed with the treasure. And Nathan is teetering on the fence between that, you know, pragmatism of, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's on the side of both wanting to be obsessed and not be obsessed. while she's the only one who's not obsessed with it. And she's the one that's like what, able to sit down and go like, yeah, this, you know, this isn't worth it. Like it was worth the shot and I've done my best, but I'm not going to, you know, lose my life over this. Right. Uh, and, and that's where I, to hit on lost legacy. Cause it's, one of my big fundamental issues with that with that game. Um, not that I actually hate Lost; like I say it's a good overall good game, but I have issues with it, particularly in Nadine Ross's character because in Uncharted 4, she is that pragmatist. She's the you know what makes her such a strong villain is that that capability of her to look at the situation without emotion and and make the right call. While in Uncharted uh, Lost Legacy, that's ex- they do the polar opposite. They make her whole like her whole deal kind of associated with her emotion, like "Oh, I lost my men. I, this sucks," and you know, I got to do a treasure hunt again, even though it's already been proven to me that this doesn't end well. <laughs> you know, I felt like I felt like Uncharted Lost Legacy. I liked playing as Chloe I, I thought Chloe's arc in that was really well done. I thought Nadine's. Was very frustrating for me, as I enjoyed her quite a bit as a villain in four. For those particular reasons, that they basically kind of threw out in Lost Legacy.
0: Uh, actually, thinking about it, going back down to chart four, I just want—I just want to say I, I commend Naughty Dog for doing this. But the uh, the Crash Bandicoot homage, yes, <laughs> I love that. It's beautiful. It's like poetry. Oh, yeah. It rhymes,
1: <laughs> George Lucas reference. I I, I can appreciate that. Um, but yeah,
0: no, I, that, that that was a nice little thing. I, I like the, the 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 larger amount of shall we say quieter moments where you're just spending time times with the characters, like especially when you're up in the, the attic of the house and and Nathan, you know, he, he's looking around. And you can interact with the the uh, books and the little trinkets that you know allude to Nathan's past and the previous games and you can do the little uh shooting gallery thing where he grabs a nerf gun and starts blasting at the targets i i like that stuff and just you know again the whole you're just interacting with your surroundings you're just looking around it's it's not it's natural it's what we it's what some people like to call natural storytelling
1: mm-hmm
0: yeah it's absolutely right yeah and and not
1: only does it serve the purpose of in those moments you know having a you know, a, a substantial, like, character development or, or, or natural storytelling and, and stuff like that. It actually services the action sequences a lot better because um, the pacing of the story allows for the the action sequences and the highs, the adrenaline rush or whatever, from those sequences to have greater impact, I noticed, right? Because... Um, the first time I played the game, and, you know, you you, you have the action sequences at the very beginning, like the Enmadeus the race stuff where, you know, he he's on the boat, and there's that really crazy action sequence, and then he uh, you have the brief flashback of him and the kid, but then he you know, immediately goes back to, like, melee fighting in prison, you know, when he's when he was working with Rafe, Rafe and Sam before he thought Sam died. You know, that, those are all, like, pretty, you know, pretty much pretty standard... Uncharted action sequences, right? And I, I enjoyed him a lot, but then you go through that little bit of a, I would guess you'd call it a lull, right? Where again, the story <laughs> purposely slows down and you're uh, seeing his development, his life post three. So then whenever you get to that Italy sequence and then that cable snaps, he goes flying through the window, the music blares, and he's in the middle of that gunfight that was for me like the first time I went holy crap I'm back in uncharted action like let's go and you know because you know it, it made it made that moment have so much more significant impact as well as just being substantially impactful in its own right those those nicer smaller moments and that's I know some people you had said it earlier you know it feels a little slower and you're definitely not the only person that has has made that comment on the game and you're not wrong but yeah, it's... I don't mind
0: it. I don't. I don't mind that you know it. It, it slows. It slows down a lot.
1: Well, well, some people do, and and I, I. on one hand, I get it, but on the other hand, again for me, it, it it has way more impact. And let's even just the core gameplay, kind of what we were talking about earlier with Uncharted Three, right? The the gameplay in there felt. You know your basic gunfights that you know the ones that didn't involve crazy set pieces. They felt pretty. They felt more fun than twos were because of the way that the the gameplay moved. Well, the gameplay services that and and this one as well. But I also think it was it was the fact that there weren't as many constantly thrown at you, so that when you did run into them, they felt more memorable because it wasn't just one among you know the three million in that like little you know, short time span. It was like a really cool one here. Take some time off another really cool one. And you're like, okay, yeah, like all the stuff in uh, Scotland, pretty, pretty basic gunfights or whatever. Uh, if you look at them in comparison in, uh to the rest of like the big set pieces in, in Uncharted uh, four, but they, they feel a lot cooler whenever they're a little bit more spread out and, and, you know you're like okay back in the action cuz it feels more tense now right cuz you know i've i've kind of gotten to breathe a little bit and now now the heart rate's back up it's not staying at a consistent level
0: hold on i'm, I'm uh, just give me a second i'm catching my breath cuz this is wow we're almost at 3 hours with this discussion <laughs> this is this is nuts and I think that in a little bit I have to go uh take pictures for a, fo- a high school football game.
1: Yeah, I got to I got to do some studying at some point today.
0: <laughs> uh the, one other thing I'll, I'll I'll say that uh regarding Uncharted 4 story. It the epilogue where you play as their kid, I think is it's a nice way of capping off the series for good. As I I think that's that's just it's a it's a great it's a great ending to the series because like now they've they've sold down they've sold down again but this time they're doing something that both Nathan and Landry are doing plus you know they're now raising a family and their daughters like what what did you guys do back in the day and now they get the they get to share the stories and honestly I'd say yeah just leave Uncharted there where it ends do not. Do not try to revisit the series, right? I
1: I can, I definitely. I know they're. Agree. The,
0: it's, it's. I mean, they leave they leave some stuff open with like, uh, Sam and Victor. Sully, yeah.
1: And and if they went that route, I wouldn't be disappointed, um, because I did think if you were to continue the series and develop a character further, it should be with Sam Drake because he's he's in a similar boat to where Nathan was in the earlier entries of the series where, you know, he can develop further. Um, I would, like I've already said, I wouldn't want, I would not want more lost legacy in terms of Chloe and a I wouldn't mind like Chloe and Sam working together. Yeah. That, um, I, that, that could work. Right. Uh, in fact, well, I mean, and I'm not sure if you've played lost legacy,
0: I I was I was able to cuz like I said I I tested before yesterday.
1: Right. Do you mind if I spoil some facets of Lost Legacy for you?
0: Can can we save the Lost Legacy talk for once we're finished with Uncharted 4?
1: Well, the reason I I was just going to say that is I was going to relate it to Uncharted 4's ending
0: is I want to I, I, would, I, would, I would move on to the gameplay because they really because if by a large tree was largely like incremental stuff, four is just like ra- raising the roof once again, much like how two did when it comes to gameplay, and all, in all in all areas,
1: the the grapple hook was absolutely I love necessary, hook. and and that is definitely the addition that I think because you know up until. Um up until four, everyone kind of was like, is this uncharted or is, is uncharted Indiana Jones or Tomb Raider? <laughs> I feel like four is what's like as soon as you have him literally like grappling and you know using the, the grapple hook like like Indiana Jones' whip, it really solidified that this was no longer just in Tomb Raider category, it was in 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 on Indiana Jones in both terms of iconography and and the General, I think, because I feel like Tomb Raider, as much as I love the series, I feel like it kind of gets a little bit of a bad rap. Like, like everyone kind of like views Tomb Raider as like discount Indiana Jones, Um and part of it's just because of the medium. You know, when T- Tomb Raider started, it was in the really, you know, cheesy two thousands era of gaming. Um, well, Tomb
0: Raider was Tomb Raider started in the nineties.
1: Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, right. I'm I'm thinking of like the PS two era games like Legend and, and Anniversary. But yeah, right, it started way before then too. Um and again it, the 90s were even cheesier than than those right um while uncharted definitely due to the time it came out was able to lean more into that more s- kind of serious element of like indiana jones and like be taken more seriously and like that grapple hook i just screamed you know indiana jones like using the whip to like you know uh you With know fly, fly across ledges. yeah you know fly across a, a,
0: an environment and stuff um, I I like I like how the the grapple hook it, it it opens up new dynamics to the combat and platforming, especially the combat because the, the because the scale in the environment is larger, but it also affects the combat arenas as well. Because now the combat arenas are like multi multi leveled environments where you can take multiple approaches and routes to taking out enemies using stealth or straight up combat. Or, in, in some cases, you know, it's possible to sneak by enemies. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's... Because they add, they, and also go continue on, it's like they add stuff in, like, uh, you're able to tag enemies, they now have a, a detection meter, much like the Far Cry games. Just little, little stuff like that really really adds depth to the combat and really makes you think, like, okay, how can I approach this situation? Where are my options?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... Again, it added variety, but and, and you said it earlier. They added verticality too. They made the environments feel more dynamic in themselves too. They weren't just flat planes with some cover and like the occasional like second story added to it. Like like almost every combat encounter felt like it had like at least like three different stories that I could be on at any given moment, and and you know get people from above or below, you know, I did a lot more, like, like I mentioned in Uncharted 3, one of my favorite moves is the, you know, the dive bomb down on somebody, and I couldn't do that too often in 3, but, man, I, man, I got to take full advantage of that in 4 quite a bit more, and, you know, in 4, you got a lot more ledge takedowns, you know, and that was one of my favorite things, too, where, like, if you're in the middle of combat, not in a stealth situation, you know, you'll try and take somebody down, but, like, then they'll counter you, and then you have to counter them to, like, get them to, like, go off the ledge. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. When you, when you pull a guy over, and sometimes they'll grab on Nathan's leg and try and try to hold on. Yeah. Then you have to, you know, knock them off by pressing the button. Yeah, uh, or if you attacked somebody,
1: like, if you try to, like, gr- like punch him, like, while from the ledge, like, they'd grab your arm, um, if I remember right, and then you had to, like, get the arm free and punch him again or, or something like that. I'd have to re- play that animation to remember exactly how he, he does it, but they'd sometimes counter you even
0: before going off the ledge. I I, I remember one instance, speaking of the verticality of combat, I remember one instance where I I, I was stuffing my way. It, it was it was very late in the second half of the game, once they've made it to the uh once they've made it to the island, but there was an instance where I I was sneaking around, I noticed this enemy. He he's about to spot me. He he's like slight he's a few feet be- below me and rather than just like, you know, not not how, how Nathan knocked him out, he just kicked him. He just kicked him. The guy fell and he rolled he rolled off the cliff and
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, if if it's, if you're like on like a slightly higher uh like ledge or whatever than somebody else. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, they they did they did a lot more environmental stuff like that than I think most people in their first playthrough realized.
0: Yeah, but and, and yeah, and like I said, the, uh, the 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 combat is is a lot more frenetic, especially with with the whip. Because now you can like, if if you feel like you're pinned down, well, if if you know spot where you can use the uh, the grappling hook, just grapple on, do a little swinging, and try to pop a few guys while you're swinging on the rope, and then leap down to another platform so you can uh, continue continue flying. I, I love I love that stuff. I I love the free form dynamic combat. That type that type of system.
1: I definitely caught myself having to be on the move more in four than than in previous titles, which I really enjoyed. Uh, again, kind of kind of where three started leaning more into what I would consider more dynamic combat, definitely dynamic AI. This pushed that further, but then uh, but then added in like I like you kind of said, dynamic environment. So you know, like, what's that look like? What what do I have whenever I have both a dynamic environment and a dynamic AI to deal with?
0: And they definitely, uh, Night Dog definitely made the most out of the PS4 because I mean the the environments are huge, especially when it comes to platforming. Because I, I remember there's the part where uh, where Nathan and Sully they're they're investigate they're they're in the uh, the clock tower. Yeah, and at one point Nathan has to climb climb outside of it to you know to get to a higher higher spot inside the clock tower, and then like the ca- the camera just you know it zooms out to see to show you how high Nathan is amongst everybody else in the city. Is like, yeah, this is pretty high up,
1: right? And and it's funny you mentioned that that is my uh, my as well as if you watch a video game Donkey uh, at all on YouTube, um, that's he's indicated it's one of his favorite levels in game design period and i 100 percent understand why i mean this is a game that level with the clock tower right you start off you're in the city it's this big crowded environment and you can like kind of interact with the character some so you get you know your, your small moments we were talking about earlier then we move on to the platforming turns into a platforming puzzle then a set piece where the whole thing falls down turns into a regular puzzle puzzle where you know you're you're figuring out the uh, the the pirate paintings and then uh, you know you get you know get routed out you're having to you know, go into this giant shootout classic of Uncharted then it turns into a truck chase sequence and then the sequence turns into you grapple onto the other hook and then you're convoy hopping like in the other previous games yep. and then you know the 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 whole thing goes kaplooey your 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 car gets run over and then boom another shootout grab sam and you're you're on the run in, in another chase sequence on the the motorcycle yep. and, and that's all in like one like 30 45 minute section of gameplay that just you know, continually builds on itself and kind of encapsulates encapsul- everything great about the series in one level.
0: Well, yeah, it's the other thing, too. Uncharted 4 is the longest game in the series because it clocks in at around, like, 15 hours or so.
1: Yeah, 15 or 20, somewhere in that range for me as well. Maybe maybe it can get it down to a little less now that uh, I've played it some. I think the speedrun challenge trophy is, like, 6 hours.
0: Yeah, being under 6 hours. Yeah.
1: But yeah, it's, it's something else I'd like to add on to that, that discussion about that level, not just with the length, but something I think is very interesting is they, I would be surprised if it wasn't on purpose, right? That's, that's the, probably for most people, the kind of big climax, you know, most people's favorite section of the game. Right, you know, you are get you are one hundred percent in the shoes of this this crazy action sequence, uh, and this is where I think the writing of the game excels. This is why I would put it over two, and really almost every other game out there. Um, you you already get to encounter and enjoy this insane gameplay sequence that just you know, if it doesn't give you an adrenaline rush, like you might as well stop watching all action movies from, you know, from here, from there on, right? And, but they very smartly position what is probably the most emotional sequence right after it, right? They want you to feel the shoes of Nathan Drake, who's, you know, as he's going down this path of obsession, they want you as the player to enjoy the adrenaline, the rush, and the, 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 you know, the adventure like he is. And they do it with a very powerful gameplay sequ- sequence. But then they want to gut punch you, the same way that he is, by making you, making you realize that what he's feeling and thus what you are feeling, isn't a good thing because you know he's ruining his relationships doing this. And you know because they could have easily had Elena show up later, right? But they chose to have Elena. You know catch Nate in his lie at that point, because because of the fact it was, for both the player and for him, the most exciting part of this whole story so far. And it has to, you know, it has to come down crashing, as it naturally does. And we we have to feel that in the same way that he does. And that's very, very, just... From a game design perspective and storytelling perspective, one of the smartest moves I've seen in, in the game series
0: just period yeah that that is a great point yeah 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 because i'm i'm processing that that whole section right now it's like yeah it was a great point because yeah you yeah you're right you're riding high off of uh that whole chase sequence and then and
1: in then the hotel boom. yeah the boom, later you're... shows up and it's
0: like <laughs> well time to bring th- time to bring things back into reality yeah. And it's not even
1: just reality. It's, it's kind of almost, I mean, it's it. a lot of people like to describe Last of Us 2 as it makes you feel bad. And, you know, it kind of kind of does that at times. Uh, and, but I feel like Uncharted did it first. I mean, it makes you feel bad. Like I remember one of my friends during the, his first playthrough, he was texting me. He's like, I have never been so angry at Nathan right now. And I'm like, yeah, but tell me, Weren't you enjoying that sequence too? And he's like, "Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah." So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a it's a wonder how uh, Atlanta managed to up with Nathan for so long over a span of four games. I mean, that's that's some relationship right there. Yeah, and
1: and again, it's it's not just because it works for the story of Nathan; it helps us as the player understand his shoes more. To where we understand. Like we can sit there and be angry at him, but at the same time, we have to also process that we're kind of angry at ourselves for like enjoying that too, because like we were enjoying this thing that's actually like fundamentally ruining his relationship. And it's kind of where he actually is in the very next level too, right? After the whole hotel fight sequence, there's that, there's that little segment on the the island exploration where uh you know he loses sam and then you realize like he's really pissed off at himself and he he, you know he kind of needs to be you know he needs that wake up call to realize like you know he's ruining his relationships and he's you know he's lost perspective on what's actually important in life through this through this uh adventure (laughs)
0: <laughs> Man, I, 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 I'm sweating like a hooker in church.
1: <laughs> I understood that reference.
0: <laughs> you a hooker
1: in church? Why not? <laughs> I mean, I, I can't think of where else a hooker needs to
0: be. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you have any issues with, with, the, with, with the AI? And namely your partner AI, because I, I noticed a few wonky moments.
1: Uh... I mean, I've played through the game several times and I've not particularly noticed any any wonky AI movements, at
0: least nothing that, like, comes to mind. Because I, I, had, I had a bit where, late late in the game, it's Nathan, Nathan and Elena, and at, as I'm making my way towards a, another area, I just see Elena warp from one side of the room to the next, like...
1: Yeah, no, I did not, I didn't encounter any, any of that, um... I mean, there was, there was like maybe a couple moments where like saying like the exploration uh, moments, right? You know, like we're like, okay, I hop in the, the, you know, like I saw Sam like a pretty decent distance from the vehicle and then I hop in the vehicle and then he's magically like hopping in the vehicle. Yeah, there I, I had
0: it. those, I had those moments as well. Which... But
1: I didn't view that as a wonky moment. I In fact, I I really appreciated that from a game design perspective, because, um, it's very, to give you a counter example to it, uh, there's a segment very similar to that in the in last of us part two, where Ellie and Dina are riding around on this horse. And there were a cup there were a few moments in this big exploration section where I had to wait on Dina to get on the horse with me. And I was like, just please, for the love of God, like get back here. <laughs> While Uncharted Four, boom, I get in the car, boom, Sam's right in there with me already. Like I, I would rather have that, having having seen the um the reverse side of it in those those kind of big exploration type areas. <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny that joke. Everyone remembers it in Uncharted Four, but it was made
0: in Three first. <laughs> Try to think of uh, try to think of what else to say about Uncharted 4 because as as far as I'm concerned, oh god, excuse me, as far as I'm concerned, overall Uncharted 4 was was a great game. I I might as well to sort of cl- close off this series discussion. Uh, well, actually, no, we're we're not finished with a serious discussion. Just uh, because yeah, yeah, may, yeah. Um, hang on a second. I'm, um, um. My mind is starting to lose it. I'll, luckily I'll delete this portion where I'm talking about where my mind is losing while I'm editing all this, all three hour three hours worth of this content. It's okay. It's okay. do don't don't the people in, in that You knew
1: you knew what you were getting into whenever you asked probably the biggest Uncharted fan that you know what we'll, we'll, i we'll I hate it was,
0: <laughs> it was better than me trying to ramble along and get Matt involved and try again to ask questions about it, and me be like, "Well, you know," and the, and the the having you on the the expert because that's the whole that's the hook with the with this podcast, the game slice is like, why don't you have a, a different guest on for like the different games that we discuss, so that way it it, it, it brings a, a a unique angle to it. So it's like Matt and I do our do our news bit, talk about what we played recently, and then for the main part, the discussion part of the game we're discussing, whether it's uh, a new release or, or a classic, like Uncharted, you know, have a guest on to uh, discuss the series. So it's all good. It's all good. But uh go go going back to everything. So Uncharted Four, great game, excellent game. Just quickly uh quickly let's discuss Lost Legacy. The we'll, Epilogue of sorts to yeah it, uh, Uncharted Four.
1: I, I, I almost hesitate to call it an epilogue too. I mean, I I even use that term a, a couple times as well. Um, it's I mean, it, the main way that I view the Lost Legacy is as a side story, and yes. a, a almost better approach to it as well might be as a, a very extended DLC for Uncharted Four, and. Mm-hmm. For me, that's how I'm able to like appreciate because Lost Legacy was probably the only entry in the series I was, I was definitely was not completely disappointed by. In fact, I really enjoyed Lost Legacy as a whole, but it, it was the first one that made me go, Yeah, it's it's not as good as the others.
0: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the whole time we've been discussing and you've referenced Lost Legacy, it's been a, it's been a fairly negative light. So it's like the fact that you're saying that you still enjoyed it is like
1: yeah 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 i definitely i don't mean to um i don't know bash it by any means it's a it's a solid game um it has some really good action sequences i love the uh the final action sequence and it's kind of like an homage to both uncharted 4's convoy and uncharted two's train sequence it's very well done um okay. i just i for me and i think this is the the big catch why is the the Uncharted series revolved so much around Nathan Drake and yeah. his character development. And like I said, I mean the whole the whole time that I've talked about these games, I've always gone back to his his character arc and, and the fact he's a compelling character. And while Chloe is certainly a cool character on her own, and I liked seeing her and and seeing content with her, given that you know she wasn't in four at all. Um. Mm-hmm having my issues with Nadine's character um, really kind of just drastically changed for the sake of having Chloe partnered up with, with her as well as the fact that, um, and this is where I'm going to have to get into some spoilers. There was the missed opportunity because they bring Sam Drake into the picture in the last act and he kind of partners up with both of them. And I was like, whenever Sam Drake enters the picture, the game immediately becomes a lot better for me. Like that's whenever the game hits into its full stride. And I was like, what if they just had Sam Drake there from the start? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like whenever I clearly am enjoying the the Sam Drake bits much more than, you know, just Chloe and Dean, Well, then maybe, then maybe they could have put more emphasis on having Sam, Sam and Chloe be the team up or, or, you know, if Chloe uh isn't in the picture, you know, Sam and Sully, you know, I I feel like there's more to do with that you can do with Sam Drake's character. I didn't particularly care to see again a character like Nadine get emotional over losing her business and and retract her whole, you know, practical decision at the end of the game of the four to go, all right, treasure hunting was a really bad idea. I'm gonna go back and do some more treasure hunting. <laughs> uh yeah. which is which is how a lot of Les, lost legacy feels for me. So that said, I would still probably rate Lost Legacy like an 8 out of 10. Okay. Which is is I mean, which is pretty good. It's just it's hard for me to view an uncharted game as an 8 out of 10 when essentially like all the others are like 9 and 10 out of
0: 10s. Yeah, I get you. Now before we close out this Discussion on the Uncharted series, which has been a fantastic discussion, by the way, because you've helped me shed you've helped me shed a lot of light on the series by talk, talking with you about it. But before we close it out, uh, let's let's give our our rankings of uh, favorite entries. You, you can include the uh, the spinoffs if you want to, because you played them and I haven't. But if we're talking main numbered entries, as as I would currently rank it, it's Two, four, three, then one.
1: Shoot, to be honest, I, believe it or not, I haven't really like s- sat down and thought of the rankings of the series as as much as you probably have, having just like recently played them. Um, I would say probably four, three, two, Golden Abyss one lost legacy if i if i'm having to pick an order I, I did feel like yeah the series for the most part progressively got better but on uh, the naughty dog terms really the only ones that like kind of fit in like different angles as opposed to their you know chronological release would be the spinoff titles
0: mm-hmm. yeah and, and that's the one thing uh just sort of provide final words on the uh uncharted series Just the one thing i, I can't say about Unch- the uncharted series is that there's really no no bad game in the series at all. It's a consistently solid series of games, but if you take the time to get invested in them, then you'll notice like how they gradually got better uh, as the games progressed.
1: Yes, definitely, and 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 that's that's an important thing to note. I mean, um, I saw a, a YouTuber um, kind of going into the issues going around with like the Halo series right now is like you know halo was really innovative for its time and it was one of it's still is one of the best first-person shooters um of all time but as as time's gone on like the halo series has kind of gotten to where it's begun to polarize its fans and 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 it's not it's not innovating as much it's not um you know -hmm. improving on itself in ways where the uncharted series with the exception of three being kind of like polarized and most people i think it's Again, it because it it wasn't as big of an improvement of two as as two was for one. Most people generally are like, okay, yeah, that that series just got progressively better as as it went on, and yeah. and that's why you don't have you know e- even the people who might still rank two as the best game of the series or the best game of all time. I don't see too many people dissing four or or, or having issues with the series progression as a whole.
0: Okay. Okay. Oh wait. No uh, discussion of Uncharted is complete without the uh the movie. Oh yeah, but I forgot about any, that. Any just any quick thoughts on, on that because I I um, bet you have some. I oh yeah.
1: Hands. Oh yeah. Um I mean it's risky obviously. Yeah. Um but from what I've I've seen of the approach they're wanting to take with it, because they're not trying to retell any of the, the previous game stories, which is good. I don't want them to. Especially because mm-hmm. Uncharted is rife with... I mean, looking back at, like I said earlier, with Golden Abyss, that there was a really kind of important developmental story for him there that we didn't see in the main entry, but it still feels very relevant to Nathan Drake's art. Well, I think they can do similar things with, with the Uncharted movie. They've said that it's going to be a kind of prequel taking place with like him and Sully. So I, I, I could be wrong. I'm gathering this is one of him and Sully's first adventures after Sully informally kind of adopts him. Right. Um, and we're going to get to see more of uh, what their first interactions were like. And I think there's a lot of potential in that. I think Tom Holland will, again, looking at the angle of it being a young Nathan Drake, and this isn't, you know, if, if they were wanting to go for the Drake from, like, the main series of, like, Fortune through through Thief's End, he would not be the right pick. But a young Nathan Drake, he, I, he actually, for me, kind of already looks, and from his performance in Spider-Man, he, you know, kind of acts similar to what I, you know, what we saw of the young Drake in the flashbacks. Yeah. So I think he'll do fine on that. Mark Wahlberg is a little bit of a, a more questionable cast choice. However, if he's playing Sullivan, a, a, a younger Victor Sullivan, but you know still kind of an old man, I can't think of a better actor to play a old, washed up wannabe action hero <laughs> um, who, who might who's you know maybe trying to help a, a younger version of himself not go quite down the same path and make the same mistakes, which is kind of Sully's character in the series as a whole. So I, I feel like Mark Wahlberg, just looking at his past experience and, and his resume, might ironically be the perfect fit for, for Victor
0: Sullivan. We'll, we'll have to see. You know who they should have gone with for Sullivan? Who's that? Bruce Campbell. Okay. I could roll with that. Yeah, because I think he, because I, I, you know, I think of Sullivan and the way he acts, and I think I think Bruce Campbell, given his past, you know, he played uh, uh, Sam Axe on notice. I think he would he would have been a fine choice for the role of Sullivan, but. I'm not the casting director, so... Right.
1: Well, because originally Mark Wahlberg, I thought, was supposed to play Drake. He was because, supposed
0: to... Yeah. It's been, I, I remember hearing about the Uncharted movie back in 2009, reading, it, reading about it in Game Informer. And was, yeah. they were originally talking about having Mark Wahlberg be Nathan Drake, and I think Robert De Niro as Sullivan.
1: Yeah, I mean, this, this movie's been in, like, production hell for over a decade now. Yeah. So, it, it's... And it was funny, they were supposed to film, like, their first day of filming was right when quarantine hit. Like, Uh. even even whenever they finally find their stride, they still don't have their stride. And, again, like I said earlier, it's very risky, and I'm not like, necessarily, um, there's a lot working against this movie, but I do think there are definitely enough elements that they can pull it off, and that would also ironically be the most Nathan Drake way a movie would get done. Like if we're going to get into like the meta meta of the uncharted movie production, basically having the same amount of luck as a Nathan Drake adventure, (laughs) Uh, that that's kind of how I've seen most of this gone so far, maybe. And so I can hope at least that it'll have the
0: eventual success
1: of a Nathan Drake adventure.
0: Uh, All I'm just thinking is this movie has languished in development hell longer than the guy last in a Turkish prison. Well, let me tell you, a (laughs) Turkish prison is not a pretty sight.
1: (laughs) But you get your own bucket.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's that. (laughs) It's either that or a Panamanian jail. Pick your poison. (laughs) Obviously you haven't been to a Panamanian jail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, that wraps up that wraps up the second episode of the Game Slice. I want to thank Jared for coming on the show to discuss, I mean, discuss the Uncharted <laughs> series with me. So thanks, man.
1: Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. I, I enjoyed it. Gave me a nice break from uh, from quarantine, not getting to talk to people and uh, getting to get into something I really love. Thanks, man.
0: And, you, and hey, you get a taste of that, uh, this thing that we like to call podcasting. Well, let, let me tell you. It can give you some of that uh unlimited power if you know what I mean, and I think you do.
1: Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, no, this is this is a fun time. I, I, I see why the podcasters do it.
0: Yeah. Well this wraps up the second episode of the Game Slice. If you wanna keep keep up with what Will and Matt do next, follow the Facebook page for updates and our information. If you want to see more of my content, check out my website GamerGuys excuse me, Gamer Guys Reviews at gamerguysreviews.com. dot com. And, of course, if you want to see more of what Will and Matt do, like, not, excuse me, not like, uh, subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel. This has been the second episode of The Game Slice, and remember... Sweating like a hooker in church. You brought a hooker to church? Why not?